Do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. Boy, it's full house in here tonight. It's hot. It is. Turn, turn the air on. It's hot. You're basically a tanner. That's how full of a house it is. Can I be calm? Cut it out. Oh, God. You can become. I was just talking today about like justice for Kimmy Gibbler and how they were like a bully to her and made her feel bad because she had smelly feet. And meanwhile, Joey is like a deadbeat who's a puppeteer. And there's like. Whoa. A couple whoa, whoa, whoa. that lives in their attic, even though they both have jobs. Like whoa, it's a whoa. very, it's very weird. Hold on, hold on. Joey moved in because Danny needed help. He gave up on his bachelor living for his best friend. Jesse and Rebecca stayed in the attic because Michelle missed them. They gave up on their own house for the children. Do not speak ill of them. That's so fucking little, weird. I'll say that right off the bat. Yeah. I'd also like to mention that. I'm going to just guess that San Francisco real estate values have always been super high. So it would make sense that they couldn't afford their own place, but it is a little much when you decide we're going to have two children and stay living in this house, essentially rent free. And on top of that, they were bullying a child. Like, I mean, I don't mind that. They were so mean to Kate were terrible and she you never it, and she smelled refused, them and she refused to put on keep her shoes on and you don't know, meant she probably wasn't washing them that's on her and Ryan's you don't know you never smelled them <laughs> he would have he would have of course he would have he's a foot guy that's true see we're not here to king shame Ryan don't worry about that I'm just here to defend the Tanner household the Tanner. I'm saying Glass houses and stones and the whatnot, okay? okay? Like, maybe stop picking on Kimmy for being weird. Like, glad houses and stones? Like, glad stones? No, like, sugar glass or real glass houses, Ryan. Those types. Oh, boy, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Welcome, everybody who's listening. We have so much to talk about. Um, and it's a full house here tonight. This is the official welcome to Asian Joe. Hi, Asian Joe. Big time is on the first one. Well, hey, let me explain myself first of all. Go ahead. First of all, you told me, hey, let's go and let's meet in Georgia for Dynamite, right? Like, cool. That'd be an awesome way to get like get this going. I'm mm-hmm. like, Georgia, you guys stood me up. Good rib. Good rib. Good one. Yeah, great. And then I get a message from Kate, and she's like, no, I heard you are probably Mark Order now, so I need a personal Uber driver. Come find me and take me to Casa Benita and 
let me go help me go find vinyl records and all this other stuff. So I had to play her personal chauffeur. It's true. You're yeah. You're a part of the Mark Order, but you are a young boy right now. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. I expect you to carry my bags. I expect for you to drive me to Casa Nizza, even though we couldn't eat there. And I expect you to just hang out while I play Sophie's Choice with a bunch of vinyl and then just end up buying literally all of them anyway, except for one that I put back because I knew it would be in mass produced and another that I put back because it was essentially a duplicate of what I was already buying. So. And then I listened back to the show from Wednesday night and now I have to buy Ryan a swamp. See? You have to buy a swamp from Ryan. See, Ryan and Kate, somebody does go back and listen. What a fool. He'll learn better. He'll learn better. Somebody does listen. Well, Joe, welcome aboard officially. We made the announcement, uh, the official announcement last week, um, not realizing you'd get on a jet and go to Georgia and then have to fly all the way to Colorado. So... We didn't think you'd actually do it, but welcome aboard. Lovely to have you here as an official member of the order. Yeah, I think you have a little bit of an echo. Oh, oh. Is it me? Is it you? You didn't. It, it kicked in after Kate joined, but I don't know who it is. I'm going to just mute myself. Is it me? It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. I have my headphones in. How's that possible? That's so yeah. weird. Well, uh, is there an echo now? I still yes. hear an echo. Joe, mute yourself. Is there an echo now? No, it's Joe. The new guy is causing a problem. It might not be you. There is a reduce uh, noise background feature. On this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's new. It's okay. <laughs> I do have Dave, a just noise background thing on too. Dave in the chat said, "Cry me a river." <laughs> well, um, right. What is your background? Street fighter. Oh, he's a street fighting man. Um, he fighting also in these streets. Uh, so welcome everybody. Uh, it's the Mark Order podcast on a Wednesday night. Uh, we've got brand new member Asian Joe. We've got Kate. We've got Ryan. I'm Aunt Money. And before we jump into all of the stuff, all of the drama, I don't want the drama. No more drama. We don't want no drama. Like Andy Bernard. Um, <laughs> how's everybody doing? Ryan, I saw you last week. How are you? I'm good. You guys are lucky that I don't want us to get in a uh, copyright strike because I really wanted to play, speaking of Full House, the Ranger Joe song, but for Asian Joe. Asian no, we Joe, just do Samoa Joe chants. Asian Joe. He's the Asian guy I know. Asian Joe. Wow, that's a little problematic. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, probably. But I didn't call you that. You well. called yourself that. It's not going to age well, Ryan. Yeah. Cancel Ryan. We can cancel him. He is writing revisionist history blogs. That's true. That's a good He's point. Whitewashing the fuck out of history on his blog. That's if true. that's what you're into, please go check it out and help spread the word. <laughs> I have I have a strong market for that. <laughs> you do. It actually overlaps with wrestling alarmingly well. Kate, how are you? We didn't we missed out on I'm you. I'm so week. tired. Okay. <laughs> I Sleep. went to what did I do? 
I went to Philly with you guys. Yep. And then I stayed overnight and I went to Multiverse, which was great. And then with, I, with you. And then I drove back home and I almost quit my job, but then I didn't. And then I went to my parents and then I went to Denver and then I came back to Philly and then I went to New York and then I went to New Jersey. So it's been a very, very long 10 days, but I have survived. And all of it was good. It was all good stuff. It was just very chaotic and busy. That's good. And living the dream. Don't quit your job because I can't hire yet. I will not quit my job. Um, but I did have my one year anniversary there yesterday. So <laughs> thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. I did not get a race. Ergo. <laughs> I didn't either. How about that? And I've been there six years. Um <laughs> What an economy. Well, good to hear you're still rocking and rolling, Kate. Joe, how are you uh, after this past week? We didn't see you last week. We had the big announcement. People were going wild. Sounded a lot like this. So um, how's everything going with you? Going well. I, um, I, I, was, uh, I was an adult today, and I bought a new washer and dryer set. Ooh, so separate I'm- or... Oh, they're, they're matching. Oh. They're matching the set. I'm nice. a big boy. I get a. So I'm excited about that delivery coming next week. Um, I was telling you before we started the show, it was a big day in Nebraska since um, we set a new world record in Nebraska for most people to attend a women's sporting event. So we care about women here. So we about 300 women. people went? 92,003 people. So we're bigger than Wembley. Bigger. Way bigger. What was the event? Volleyball. Because they're, cause they're fucking hot. That's why. Beach volleyball? Regular court volleyball. They put their, set up the court inside um, the Nebraska football stadium. It's wild. Was it uh, college? Yes. Yep. There you go. That'll do it. All right, college. That'll do can hide your misogyny and support when it's hot college babes that's all i'm saying i'll tell you what though i bet a good portion <laughs> of that was papered that wasn't all paid attendance a north korean dictator made them go just like wcw <laughs> <laughs> it, it was over eighty-one thousand people probably like 90 that's very cool sincerely yeah. that's awesome now joe you should write a press release and send it to tony khan and company and let them know that Days after they shattered the live attendance record, a world attendance record, Nebraska did one better. And just for women. Just I thought there were like I thought there were like 17 people in all of Nebraska, so I'm very impressed by this. I mean, it's like all of Nebraska and then double it. That's the ninety-two thousand. That's fair. literally all of Nebraska went. I will tell you that usually like on game days for football, that stadium becomes about the third biggest city in Nebraska. Wow. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Wow. Well, congratulations, Nebraska. You've done it. You've broken the record. I've been using the, I got to get a better crowd noise. No, Joe's got one. It's just, it's just a little quiet today. That's all. Your soundboard's a little bit on the quiet side. I had it turned down because I feel like sometimes when I have it up, I'm screaming over it. It's true, but it's a ruckus applause, I tell you. 
our friend that guy is watching because he's texting me and Ryan asking about whitewashing history and the whatnot. And uh, I got to see him and his daughters Very on nice. the on the in between ski days in Philly. Why doesn't that guy get in the YouTube chat? That guy, I don't know. Does that guy knows? Because he's just I, that guy. He's that guy just that guy. Who, but that guy knows who I know who that guy is, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That I'm guy sorry. knows that you know that he knows that you know that he knows. That he's that guy. That he Joe knows. Joe doesn't know that guy. Yeah, he, he knows. knows. Oh, fuck all of you. Ryan, I have a question for you, and it's Philly sports related, and then we'll get into real sports, professional wrestling. Um, did you, did, did the Flyers release their record, their schedule this year? I haven't seen it yet, but I think they did, yeah. I'd be interested in knowing how many national broadcasts your team has this year. Probably not many. They're not good. If they have one at all, I believe the Devils have thirteen this season. Hold on, thirteen. Just saying. Ryan. Oh my gosh! I hope we get to talk about figures later. This is good shit. I don't have any. Okay, let me tell you something. I haven't ordered any figures lately because no figures. No figures. Twelve. Twelve. All right. That's that's shocking. Are they no, all? They're owned by Comcast. Oh, well. Um, so the reason I haven't ordered any figures is last week I went to pay my credit card and I was like, I don't recognize this charge. And it wasn't a lot. It was like 11 bucks. And it was for seamless, like express. It was, it was for seamless, whatever their membership is. I don't know what it's called. Cause I don't have fucking seamless. So I searched my statements and there were like four of these charges month over month. So I called the credit card up and I was like, yeah, I don't have a seamless account. I don't know what this is. Like I've paid seamless before at work so I could buy lunch for my people, but I've never subscribed to their service. And I haven't had a seamless charge probably since June. And they were like, okay, well, we'll put it in as a thing, but we're going to cancel your card right now. I was like, so I have to pay my card did you cancel it? Because I don't want to get fucked here. And they were like, Oh no, pay it first. And then we'll cancel. I was like, thanks a lot. So I paid <laughs> my payment. And then like two days later, I get a call from their, their fraud department. And they're like, well, um, it's such a small amount. You're sure you don't have a seamless. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. I'm sure. And you canceled the card already. So what's the deal? Just send me a goddamn card, please. And, uh, they were like, well, you know, you should have flagged this earlier. I'm like, and I literally said to them, do you think I look at my statements every month? Because nobody looks at a paper statement anymore. Like, I think they think I take it out and balance like a checkbook. I never do that shit. Well, and especially for like $11. That's just not like an alarming enough amount. I have But also, they, the way Chase does it, it's like they're giving them out like candy. They're like, we've already updated your card number in your app and we'll send you one and it'll arrive in three to five days or whatever. No, nope. it's like, boom, boom. I have a, I have a, well, I'm not, I have a different bank card because I've had it since I was in college. I don't want to, I don't want to cancel it because it's been my longest uh, credit card. So, um, and there's quite a balance left to it, but, um, <laughs> Uh, they gave me such a hassle and then they were finally like, okay, well this time we'll, we'll refund the charges. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. They were yeah, like, that's, that's what you're going to quibble over is like the $11 charge. 
So that's, but that's why I couldn't order a fucking car, uh, figures because I haven't had a cart. What are, what is waiting out there for you? There's a series that I missed from the last pay-per-view that they announced that I didn't pre-order. And there's a couple other, there's, I think a Dan Housen one that's out there and a Sammy Guevara. There's a couple of them. Uh And then. Oh, okay. Now I know who you're talking about. And then, um, Matt, Matt and I missed out on the, uh, Jamie Hayter exclusive from all in weekend. So I'm a little upset. Oh, that's a bummer. When you said figures and errant charges, I was like, Matt stole your card to order a bunch of figures. No, but the only thing I could think of, I don't know where a seamless charge came from on like a membership because there's no reason for me in New Jersey to have a seamless account. Everything is. Yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. So, Kate, there you go. There's all the figure talk you could probably get. Yes. So do you guys want to talk about wrestling? So. Not like there was a pay-per-view. Okay. We're going to do this in a couple parts. Okay. We're going to talk about the pay-per-view first, and then we're going to talk about all of the other stuff around the pay-per-view. Because it has to get talked about. We know who we're talking about. Yeah, we definitely have to talk about uh, Sting getting played out by Metallica. Um, Not live, but that's clearly what we were referring to. You definitely know it. So, guys, um, I assume we all saw the pay-per-view. Yes. Okay. Because if not, I was going to say leave and come back in like 45 minutes to an hour because we're going to spoil everything. But... um, Obviously, All In, I'm going to get that mixed up three or four times tonight. All In happened Sunday in London, England. And um, that's a terrible British accent. As good as your Philly one is, your British one was terrible. It was supposed to be terrible. What was well, that? Nailed, nailed it, mate. Do you ever? Isn't it? Isn't it? I gotta take the. Oh, fuck. A tube. I gotta take a tube and I'm gonna get lost on the way. Lads. Anyway, um, from London, England, Sunday, it was 81,000 plus people setting a new record. Uh, and um, it was quite the show. One o'clock here in the East, uh, which was quite a delight. Now, I don't know about you guys. I was supposed to be somewhere else on Sunday, but everybody in my house got sick for the week. And then I was stuck. We were stuck over the weekend, like taking care of stuff that should have been taken care of over the weekend. And I couldn't go to my other previous planned thing. So I watched pay-per-view and then fell asleep, but it was so nice having a one o'clock pay-per-view. I never thought I'd say that. It was so nice having a mid afternoon and being done. I I have to review this shit. Are you kidding? Being done by like eight o'clock for a review. Oh, oh my you re- god. You reviewed it? I came home, watched the pay-per-view, reviewed the pay-per-view, went to Shining Wizards Mats for the end of the barbecue, enjoyed myself until the Sunday. But yes, did the the select review, which was great. Uh, but I love it. That happened when we did the Puerto Rico pay-per-view too. Um, it was so nice to be done so early, especially with an AEW one, because they're so long. Like this was delightful. 
Well, it was delightful, and you definitely got your money's worth because I thought it was a wonderful pay per view. Um, I think they delivered on everything that they set up, and um, we'll run through the card, touch on some highlights, talk about some of the aftermath, then we'll take a break and go on to dynamite. So we'll hold on the dynamite talk. We're obviously there's no reason to talk about rampage or collision tonight. So if you're looking for those results, go go find them somewhere else because we don't need to worry, waste time on it. So, um, running down the card real quick in the zero hour, they led with MJF and Adam Cole and they defeated Aussie open to win the ring of honor tag team championships. I don't know about you guys. I had no, there was no way in my brain that that was happening. I thought it was going to set up something for later. And instead, they went the complete opposite way. I would love to know, because I saw a few people out there who we know. I saw, like, Kyle K. Sparks, I think, was ready to to jump off his, the top of his house. Um, or into Lake Michigan. Somewhere over here. On this coast somewhere. Not here. We're here. No, right? We're here. So close. Uh We've been working on it. Last week, he was very close, but still not quite there with no, his so signals. Um, so anyway, what did you guys, like, I didn't know what to make about, uh, about that. And I still kind of don't know what I think about this, but I don't know if I like it. So, you know well, what? Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. We need, we, before we get to this, you, you okay. missed probably the most important part of the zero two hours. What? Jeff Jarrett. Well, I mean, Jeff Jarrett came out and and had just a showing. How can One you not mention Kate Taylor nine wrestling? minute women's match. <laughs> uh, my God, you had a zero two hours and you still had one women's match on the card. I honestly know, like, sincerely, if you're going to have Jeff Jarrett on your card, like Jeff Jarrett and Grado is the spot to do that. Like I, I really don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the lack of women on the card. The Jeff Jarrett and Grado spot was exactly what should be happening with Jeff Jarrett. He should not be wrestling on multiple anchor television shows for multiple, like, and like getting title shots. Him getting his ass smashed by Grado with the guitar, perfect. Like that's exactly what Jeff Jarrett should be doing. So I didn't even actually have a problem with that. As far as the tag titles go. Yeah, I was going to say, let's let's stick to the matches that were advertised and then go on to everything else. I want to touch on everything else. Let's run through the car. Bypass Jeff Jarrett. I get it. Oh, story of my life wanting to bypass Jeff Jarrett. I love The tag titles. You know, um, Kate, you know, Kate, I was going to give the newest member the honors here and pass it to Joe for his take first. I thought we already established he's the fucking young boy. Well, I would like his take first so that we can all tell him how wrong he is. Oh, okay. Go ahead. You think I'm going to be that wrong? Idiot! Fool. No. I... I feel like I share a lot of the same sentiment as other people out there who do not want to see the tattoo tile used as a prop in the storyline. And if they end up being transitioned onto the kingdom, I'm here for it. But I just, it feels like giving it to MJF and Adam Cole when they didn't really necessarily need them as part of their story. 
Um, it just seems like a weird transition to use them as part of the storyline. So not a big fan of it, but um, you know, kudos to the booking for throwing a curveball at all of us who didn't think didn't see it coming. Okay. Kate, do you wanna agree or disagree with the young boy? Well, I wanna disagree with him because of him being a young boy. Um okay. go get me some ice packs. Carry my bags to the car. Okay. Um also, Ann, do you have a breaking news sound effect on the board? I think Joe does. You do, right? I, th- I was going to say, I thought we had one. I don't. Joe does. Somewhere, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. We're putting See, this is why he's a young boy. This is, okay. this is why. This he's is getting why. his feet wet. Um, I like... Yeah, yeah play, play real quick, and I'll tell you what just the match that just got set up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have breaking news with Kate on the ground. Hi, I'm standing here. I'm sitting in my chair right in my living room, and I'm reading Tony Bobby Louie, Bobby Louie, Bobby Louie. Oh. I am hearing... Yes, it's been confirmed that this Sunday, September 3rd, at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, at All Out, live on pay-per-view... We will be getting your New Japan Strong Open champion, Eddie Kingston, and your Ring of Honor Pure champion, Shibata, versus Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. That match just made. It is confirmed. Okay. We'll see that on Sunday. Um, As far as the tag match goes, I like what it did in the night. I like how... I was waiting to do the math of, okay, who's turning on who based on what happened in this match, and we didn't get that, right? There are brochachos at the end of the day. Everybody's standing tall. Um, I, as someone that watches the Ring of Honor product, as someone that covers the Ring of Honor product, this sucks. Like, we consistently keep getting... I, I think it's the transition from reach for the Skyboy ladder match under the Briscoe's huge deal to... Brothers tag team that literally never defended them on ROH television to Aussie Open, who seemed like a good move because they were defending them a little bit, but weren't ROH talent, uh, to now being used as a prop again in, in this storyline is, is really frustrating to go from like, this is supposed to be honoring the passing of Jay Briscoe to the point where it's like they're just not even around on, on Ring of Honor television. And now, the team that felt like the Ring of Honor tag team champions it was the Kingdom, and now they're doing an AEW angle. So it's kind of sucks how gummed up this got, uh, but I like what it did in the night, and it is cool to be able to say like the Ring of Honor tag titles switched hands in front of 81,000 people. It's just like a wild thing to be able to say. This is a promotion that was built in gyms and small venues and the biggest place they were working was like hammerstein like that part of it's all really cool um but it kind of is starting to feel like and i love the angle like i love what's going on with mjf and adam cole but it's starting to feel like the bloodline a little bit like it's taking up all this room it's running multiple segments it's now like cannibalizing other titles that don't really belong in the picture so i don't love that about it um 
but I do love what Adam Cole and MJF at the story they're telling. And I liked what that title change did for not letting me in on who was going over in the main event. Cause I was looking for that math. Okay. So Schlong, what are your thoughts? First, I should have just signed off after I got the amp pop for tonight. That's so rare for me. I should have just ended my night. Um, I love a good radio callback. You know, uh, but I re- distinctly remember texting Kate after the the, the match saying, "Don't like that outcome," uh, because I don't for the same reasons, all the reasons mentioned, and it just means further that we're not splitting the ROH roster apart, and we all really, 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 really want that, and it's getting very annoying. And then the Kingdom, who should have been the tag champs all along. Are now in a like feel like they have a solid AEW storyline and footing, and now I don't want them to have it. Like it's just the whole thing is confusing. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I see. Like I did. I don't love it. I see how it makes sense in the story of Adam Cole to have the Ring of Honor belt because he'd never held. Thank you. Uh, He never held the the title in ring of honor so i guess it makes sense from that standpoint his name is now stamped in the book he held the ring of honor tag team championship beyond that i don't understand why um unless you're trying to do something and get these belts off of aussie open to now bring aussie open over to aew are we trying the hand symbols ryan hand symbols ryan uh not no, you're further than you were last week. This is a step back. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Okay. So, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know what they're trying to do here. Um, I have some thoughts on some other Ring of Honor stuff as we get into Dynamite that I'll hold on to. But as far as this goes, I just don't understand. Like I said, unless, unless the idea is to take, um, is to take Ozzy Open over to AEW and do something in AEW uh, and not Ring of Honor, then I don't understand why we did this. So quick, too. Um, And they don't need to be on MJF and Adam Cole. Um, If Adam, or sorry, if MJF was a heel and he was insufferable saying how he's got two belts and he's going to be a belt collector and all that kind of stuff and he's never going to wrestle for the belts and stuff like that, like I think it would be fun, but that's not him right now. Like, he's not that guy. So I don't understand it. I do like, like Kate, I do like what it sort of set up for later. Although I thought them losing this match would have set up for something greater. But it made sense as we got to the end. So I guess we'll talk about it. It was just a head scratcher in that moment. I couldn't believe it happened. Uh, Moving on. And we are only talking about the matches here, folks. Hook defeated Jack Perry uh, in an anything goes or whatever unsanctioned, no holds barred match to win back the FTW title. Jack Perry was supposed to retire that title last week and it never happened. Um, So he had to defend it and he lost it to Hook. Cool to me that Hook got to wrestle in Wembley, but I don't understand. I, I don't like this belt. It doesn't make sense. I don't think anybody needs another fucking belt. I don't know if anybody wants to say anything about this match. 
hope he retires the belt now. I hope now that he has it back, he can move on past it and, you know, you know, go for a real belt. So I don't get this uh, really at all. It's cool that we are we have Hook holding the belt, but if it was a device to cement a Jack Perry heel turn, I don't think it's worked. Like, I don't think Jack Perry is the disaster that some people like to pretend he is on the mic. Like, I don't think he's that bad. I just don't think he's tapped into who he is as a heel yet. And that's fine. That takes time, especially with young talent who are not like, his promos are not going to be his greatest strength probably ever. That's fine. Um, but like, it feels like they took the belt off him before he could even kind of settle in a little bit, which is weird. Uh, so I, I just don't think it was successful and it might've been if they gave it a little bit more time to burn. I also feel like this was not the place to do this match. I feel like doing it at all out is actually kind of like the perfect thing because this has had a build and not a lot else that all out is going to have a build. And I don't feel like, yes, obviously like a women's match would have been nice here. Right. But also, um, because it's an unrecognized belt, it kind of doesn't belong on the most prestigious show that they've ever done. Like it, it's, it feels like something that is more in that, like we're on a field trip rampage vibe, like for the same reason that like Harley Cameron wasn't on, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it feels a little bit more playful than this pay-per-view is now it's a pre-show match. So whatever, but just feels like something with more time on a real pay-per-view that isn't this one would have made more sense. Know what else I would have rather seen? Zack Sabre Jr. fighting someone. Mm. That would have been better than this. They didn't have to go so far away from... Like, I get that they didn't want to make it like an all-Brit card, but only Will Ospreay, and I guess Grado, felt weird. Like, there's you a lot do of... Kip Sabian on the pre-show? Couldn't do Kip Sabian, couldn't do Anthony Agogo. Like, no, we haven't seen Anthony Agogo. Well, he was out there. Well, the well, and Kip Sabian did did that stuff. Like, did yeah, but he should. But Kip Sabian did get to be in the ring. Yeah, I mean, that's my point about Agogo too. Like, he I don't was know where in the he's. Ring. He didn't have he a match. Well, I mean, I I'll say this: the only thing I could think is that they wanted to take some of the talent who they said were pillars, right? So it's like Jack Perry is supposed to have been one of the pillars, you know, the next guys in this company. So how are we going to leave him off Wembley? So this is what you have, right? This is what they've lined up for him. This is what you have. Does that mean it's good? No, but I mean, I don't, I'm with you, Kate. I don't, I don't understand why this had to be done here. It definitely could have been done it all out, but like, if you were going to slide another women's match in, you're not going to put Chris Statlander here because you're going to put Chris Statlander on All Out and have that be your big women's match at All Out. Like, fine, but find a different ladies match to put in here. Athena. Yeah. Like, is right there. Willow isn't wrestling on this card. Um, I feel like you could have run a Chris and Ruby angle here. You've only built that out for one weekend tonight, right? Like, you could have done something. Um, very, 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 very frustrating. Very, very, very frustrating to 
feel like we're getting all this progress in the women's division and then steps back. So um, that's annoying. But yeah, I don't know. The FTW belt. And I'm also kind of, I sound like an old curmudgeon. Like, I'm kind of over the pillar shit. Like, I feel like they did a really, really long build into the four pillars match. And I feel like only MJF and um, Darby came out of it for any of the better. And Schlong? I feel like, yeah, Schlong Sorry. is holding his head. He looks perplexed. What's what's up, Schlong? Joe, can we get the breaking news music again? Oh, boy. Hold on, Schlong. Sorry, I have to always scroll through my... We're going to move on. Oh, I have that, too. Wrong one. Yeah, go ahead, Schlong. I... <laughs> this Saturday... Ricky Starks will challenge Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to a strap match to occur at All Out. Sweet. Well, we'll talk about that because that I think is directly tied to other events. But one hundred percent, but n- not the. That's not who he's gonna end up fighting, right? I, mean, I that hope can't not. Be. But that is such a weird. It's probably gonna be. We'll talk about it. Um. Shlong, anything you want to add about Hook and Jack Perry before we keep moving on? Was the glass real in the car? Oh, it was real. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. It was real. Moving on to the main card. Our opener was CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. And CM Punk wound up winning that match. Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to talk about CM Punk extensively after we get through this card, so I want to just keep it to the match. Uh, Schlong, I'm going to go with you first. So, no, I'm still sorry. I just, of all the things I expected to see tonight, that wasn't top 20. Uh, And I'm Focus! Samoa Joe and CM Punk. Relax, just because you love Joe so much, and he did his patented walkaway spot in front of eighty-one thousand people. Doesn't mean you got to get mean. Match was really good. Joe was on something. Uh, We might speculate as to reasons why. Yeah, might speculate as to reasons why, but he was great. Uh, He put on a hell of a show, and Punk did too. I don't want to take away from him, but but Joe really showed out in this match, and and it was a great opener. It was actually probably the Perfect opener for the the card. Set a good tone for the night or day from our point of view. Kate, how about you? You just said it. You love both these guys. What do you think? Did it live up? Uh, I I actually really did love this. And knowing the circumstances that came before, which we won't talk about now, but like actually kind of blows my mind because I feel like you would never have known it. Like it was, it was the perfect opener because it was what it was. And it also kind of furthered the legacy of like Punk got a win that wasn't with a flash pin, which I think is nice because it's always been flash pins from Punk to defeat Samoa Joe. It was it was kind of a nice completion to that whole legacy that they built out. And it's very cool that they got to do that in front of 81,000 people at Wembley. Like that's insane when you consider like where that actually started. So that feels like a better use of an ROH title being at Wembley. Loved the match. It was a little bit more of a Samoa Joe showcase, which it felt designed to be. 
but Joe is just God. Every time I see him, I'm like, this guy is obviously like not in his prime. But if there's anybody who adjusted to work past their prime better, like show me them. This guy is unbelievable. And I, I feel like there's so few times in modern wrestling where we get big guys who just show you what a monster they are and don't tell you with like graphics and smoke and flexing and whatever he like just comes out there to hurt you and beat your ass and he just like has this very cold and menacing smirk while doing it like there are no other big men like joe and i i just i love that he's getting settled into this run because he came over it was kind of spotty and then he was doing sweet tooth and whatever like feels like he's really at a maximum value adding stage of what he's doing and i just like there there's no other like big guy like him and i i just appreciate it so much this was so much fun he's so intimidating and so likable like i don't know how you pull that double-edged sword off and this example match was like the perfect example of that i loved it asian joe what was your take on samoa joe well, first of all, I'm going to take everything Kate said and use it like a video testimonial if I ever need to create like an <laughs> online dating profile. Also, <laughs> when I say Samoa, I think Samoa is in Asia. So that is a huge Close part enough. of it. And uh, there you go. But no, I, yeah, the match was great, even more so knowing all the stuff that happened prior to the match. Um, I just, the, I, I left wanting more actually. Like I know we're kind of booking their saga, but like the way the finish happened at the end where, you know, all of a sudden here's the Pepsi plunge. I was like I was waiting for more to happen after that. So I'm I would like to see it happen again. Will it happen? Probably who knows. But um I enjoyed that part and you know, Punk's doing his little like four out of the five moves of Doom, Epstein, then the leg the Hogan leg drop and Yep. All those little things pandering to the crowd. Um, that's just, you know, it's classic punk. The five knuckle shock pull got me. I loved that. And still as divisive overseas as he is here in the United States. So yeah. wild. Uh, next up was uh, Bullet Club Golden Takeshita versus uh, the Golden Elite. And the Bullet Club, uh, Bullet Club Golden Takeshita come out with a win with a schoolboy uh, on Kenny Omega, some quick thinking towards the end. Takeshita was legal. I don't think uh, Kenny realized it, and they come away with the win here. I'm not going to lie to you guys. In the moment, I actually was like, was that supposed to happen? It seemed so quick. Like, maybe somebody didn't kick out on, like, maybe Kenny didn't kick out quick enough, and it was like, he counted three. Like, that's the match. It's over. Like, but I see how it sort of made sense in what they're trying to do with the story. Um, I didn't hate it. I thought this match was was just fine. Unfortunately to me, Ibushi still looks a little behind, which is sort of upsetting because he's so, so good. Like, we've seen what he can do. We've seen what he can do, but the past few times we've seen him in an AEW ring, he hasn't looked all there. So just disappointing, but I thought the match was good overall. Um, Takeshita is a fucking... Madman, uh, Kate, what do you think here? I agree with everything you said. I loved, I really loved the finish because it, I, it set up what we're going to be getting it all out perfectly. Uh, this 
card felt very front loaded, like going from punk and Joe did this to the tag match to stadium stampede. I was like, this is way too much on the front end. Felt like they probably should have put Jericho and Osprey mixed in there somewhere or uh, the coffin match, maybe mixed in somewhere there, somewhere in there instead. Um, but the, this match I thought was fantastic. Takeshita is just unbelievable. Like I I'm so impressed by him and I, I don't know how it, it keeps surprising me because he's not doing anything new. It's just like incredible. Every time he's in there and does something like he's really, really good. And he's also very good at walking the line of being an incredible presence in a match, but not too overpowering in a multi-man match, which not everybody strikes the balance of like he, you can kind of plug into any context and he's, he's going to make the match work. Also just laughed out loud when the camera caught Adam Page go, what the fuck? <laughs> that was really, really fun. But I loved per- this. this. This was great, as you would expect from the caliber of wrestlers who were in it. And I, I thought the finish was actually a whole bunch of fun. I, I really liked this. Joe, what do you think here? Joe, Not a lot more to add. Um, I actually thought Abushi was a little bit better than he was in Blaine Guts, at least. Um, that that is least, true. He was better. Yeah. Yes. Uh, other than that, yeah, I thought you know my solid match. I felt like it, I, I left the match thinking it was you know really hard hitting with the strikes, um, knowing who's all involved. So with a strong style, so yeah, nothing more to add besides that. Schlong, anything to add here? It was an enjoyable dynamite match. All right, wow, Schlong coming in being the. Uh... <laughs> The opposite, being a little negative here. He's I'm always so, so negative. You're right, he is. He's such a downer all the time. We move on to the tag team championship match, FTR versus the Young Bucks. Um, FTR does win by pinfall with the Shatter Machine on Nick Jackson to retain the tag team championships. Um, and I thought this honestly was slated to go a whole bunch of different ways as this match went on. I loved the way, um, you know, they, they, uh, they had cash down for the pin and Dax came to make the save and Nick Jackson pulled, pulled cash up. And Dax kind of was like, what the, Oh, I'm caught. Like he knew he was caught. I thought that was so fantastic. I thought this match was really well done for a bunch of guys who maybe don't always see eye to eye or who weren't on the best of terms for a little bit. I thought this was highly enjoyable and uh, no respect after the match from the Bucks. So clearly there's more to be done here, but we'll talk about it. Hey, take my wife. I get no respect. (laughs) What's the deal with airplane food? Hey, no respect. Uh, Long, anything you'd like to say about this match? It's weird because it was a really, really, really good match. It was, I was expecting tag match of the year contender, and it wasn't that. So I think, like, what was that? It's just so negative all the time. I, I was saying I was expecting tag match of the year candidate, and it wasn't that. So it took me like a, a second to be like, that was just my ridiculously high expectations. They still delivered an excellent match. Like it, I was very excited, and it could have won either way. There was times I thought the Bucks were winning. So 
it was excellent. I just had to be like, yeah, not everything they do will will be go down as like the greatest of all time. Uh, Kate's shaking her head no, so I'd like to go see what Kate thinks next. I actually think a big part of that is why the fuck was this on third? Like this should have felt like a huge deal. This should have felt like co-main event level stuff. Um, I really think that card placement suffered. May like the, the suffered with that a little bit. I gotta say, just overall too, I loved the entrances. The Bucks and FTR had a really fun one. Bullet Club Gold had a really fun one with the camera like in the thing. But I loved that they're almost in that like elevator box thing and then come out. I, th- I thought that was such a blast. Um, I was with my sister for part of this match, and she. Loves the Young Bucks. She couldn't handle the Freddie Mercury fashion. She just... And it's so fun to watch it with someone who doesn't watch for, like, those reasons. And I kind of got to explain to her some things. But these two are just two of the best to ever do it. I love trading finishers at the end. I always think that's such a fun storytelling device. And to do it in the way that they're evenly matched and had each other scouted is really, really strong stuff. Cash Wheeler's suicide dive always looks like you're not supposed to actually try and kill yourself, man. Holy crap. He really keeps his whole body to the outside of the ring. Also props to the person with the fear of the revolver sign. Cause that made me laugh very hard. <laughs> I'm waiting I loved for- this. This should have gone on later. And I feel like that kind of gusto that Ryan felt like was missing. I actually think would have kind of been there. Like I, I really think going on third was a bad choice with this. I'm waiting for somebody on commentary to say something like, look at cash flash in the Chrome. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just, just do something. Uh, Joe, what's your thought here? Well, he does have to face the, the elite and the, um, not the, the board club gold and the gun club now. So that'll be interesting for that commentary. Um, I, I'm kind of what, what Kate said. I, I liked how they showed how well the team knew each other throughout the match with a lot of the callbacks between the previous matchups. Um, I think I'm not knowing who was going to win going into the match. Um, I think it was the second BT BTE trigger that I think I think they delivered it. They sold me a ticket on thinking they were going to win, but um, yeah. And then the cosplay with the Bucks. I blame the shoes for them losing because they wore. I, I get they're wearing the ideas for Freddie Mercury, but like not having like Jordans yeah, on their Jordans. feet. It's just weird. It's just they're wearing wrestling boots and it's just weird. Well, they've lost shoes though. They've lost those Air Jordans from time to time. So maybe they were trying to switch yeah. it up. <laughs> I mean, they could have gone to a store in the UK and found some kicks. That's true. Anyway, moving on, we go to Stadium Stampede, the best friends, Eddie Kingston and Penta versus the Blackpool Combat Club and Proud and Powerful. During this match, Penta goes down. He does resurface later as Penta Obscura, which I guess nobody fucking saw coming because nobody knew who that was coming out of the tunnel. I didn't either. And... um. It is also nice, Ryan and Kate, to see that they had the same ladder issue, just what we called out at New Japan, not supposed to climb up the backside of those ladders, and that could have been bad. But they recovered. Uh, We saw everything you could want to hear. Um, Barbed wire, pipes, 
you know, wood wrapped in barbed wire, chairs, chairs wrapped in barbed wire, tacks. Uh, we also saw um, the uh, skewers. I don't remember them doing a skewer spot. I hate the skewer spot. It looks ridiculous. And I can't believe anybody would willingly do that. And perhaps my favorite one of the night uh, was uh, Orange Cassidy going all out, wrapping his fist uh, with the tape upside down, breaking the bottle, dipping in glass, and then getting the win uh, by hitting that uh, glass-coated orange punch on Claudio Castagnoli. So the faces win. Post-match, they showed Kingston and Moxley were bloodied and battered, laying next to each other, flipping each other off. So that's clearly not over. Um, and I was quite happy that, uh, my six-year-old decided, uh, to take a nap during this match because he would not have been able to see this. Uh, so, um, I didn't necessarily have a problem with this. Uh, stadium stampede is always like a car crash. People going all over the place. I thought they did a pretty good job with it. I didn't mind it. It was what it was. I'm going to go to Joe first. Uh, first of all, I want to know if we can all get matching pea coats like the BCC. So yeah, for cool like Looks like we walked off the set of Last Dock and Two Smoking Barrels. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I thought that'd be a nice touch for being in England. Uh, but yeah, it's everything I expected from from the two teams in the Stampede. And I'm always impressed by, you know, producing a match like this, and especially in a stadium that big. And trying to lay everything out, and um, yeah, I just that's that's impressed me the most. I think just trying to to figure out the layout of the match, but um, otherwise, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I guess I didn't think the faces were going to win, but you know, knowing how they're what's coming up ahead, it makes sense for them to take the take the win now and have the BCC and others come back strong um, at all out and going forward. Should also mention we saw Sue. Uh, thank you, one LT photo in the chat. I forgot Sue came in a new van. Uh, fresh cookies. Yeah. She uh, yes, alongside Kate. Shinsuke Nakamura, founding members of Chaos. Hmm. True. Uh, Kate, what'd you think here? Uh, this was a whole bunch of fun. You guys know I'm an Eddie Mark. Like Eddie Kingston in this environment is just a blast. Like. I feel like because of the style of match it is and it's a little bit slowed down, like he just is always at his best because he's just at an 11th the entire time. Um, loved the ending spot with the middle fingers. Gotta say, like, Blackpool Combat Club, you gotta get some big wins now because they've taken a couple of these losses, right? So time to get them back on top. I do think maybe Claudio is going to lose the ROH title to Eddie Kingston. I very selfishly hope they do that at Grand Slam. So um, like Eddie jumping him before the bell even rang was really, really fun here. Uh, my only complaint about it, and it's the most minor of complaints, is this was anarchy in the arena in the stadium like the stadium stampedes have been different from this so my expectations were i expected to be full-on silly like the first one but the second one kind of had that we use the entire stadium feel like it, it wasn't so violent it was more about exploring the the space of the stadium which is why initially i was like oh maybe this is where nigel McGinnis pops up or whatever so um 
I that's my only complaint is we are it does start to feel a little bit redundant when you have like anarchy in the arena, blood and guts, the parking lot brawl in this. Like, I'm not one of those John Moxley shouldn't bleed people, but there should be some times where he doesn't. Um, <laughs> just like on occasion, he should not. So just that, that's my only thing is these all kind of start to feel a little bit the same after a while. But but a whole bunch of fun. Loved seeing Eddie. Proud and powerful being back is just a great shot in the arm for the roster. Uh, good good stuff. Good stuff here. But again, with the pacing, like, very weird that you put all this back-to-back in this first hour. Especially when, we'll talk about it later, but none of these guys like each other. Why did you have all of them walk by each other in the hallway? That was a bad idea. <laughs> but even if they were grown-ups, this feels very, very front-loaded. Very front-loaded. Kate, no, I, I thought maybe we'd get a comment. No disappointment with no glass gas can Eddie. I've just kind of accepted that glass can gas can Eddie is a moment in time. Like I, I don't think you can recapture the dream in the same way because he wasn't just gas can Eddie. He was zombie, gasoline wielding, going to light Chris Jericho on fire, mm. Eddie. So I've just accepted that you know. You can't always go back to the good old days. I'm waiting for the day that he just walked down the aisle with like dragging an axe behind him, just, you know, like <laughs> slow, like an axe murderer, just slowly dragging it behind him on the ground. I want He's that. The best. He's oh, the best. Gosh. Ryan, Stan, uh, Stadium Stampede, any thoughts? It was a lot of fun. And I like fun. I know there is some. Uh, production assistant or someone in the back who was freaking out when his ladder was stolen because that was not <laughs> intended for show use. Uh, Sue is great. Managed to get herself a car and get there. Uh, Excalibur wondering if she had a license in, in England. Not needed. If you have value S driver's license, you can drive in England for a hey, year. Was she driving on the right side of the road? You know? Well, she was driving in a stadium. About. Clearly she made a bad turn somewhere. Well, that's a good point. Uh, Albuquerque. You yeah. The wrong turn Albuquerque. See, uh, that's impressive. I was shocked by the outcome. I really did not think that uh, the best friends team would win. They've been taking loss after loss after loss. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's not, you guys kind of covered all the, the good points. Just that it was a fun match. This was kind of needed in this card with a lot going on to have just a match where, like, oh, this is insane. It made things feel good. Well, we move on from the stadium stampede to the AEW Women's World Championship four-way. Dr. Britt Baker versus Sheeta versus Soraya versus Tony Storm. Soraya coming out to um, Queen, we will rock you. That could not have been cheap. They also didn't play it post-match. Well, I guess I just gave it away. Soraya wins the championship in London, uh, which was a nice feel-good moment. Soraya, they did not play we will rock you afterwards, so... Probably was like we are the champions. I mean, come on. Oh, God. How much money that would have cost. Uh, it was cool, too, for Soraya to come out with her entire wrestling family. Uh, just a cool moment it had to be for them. Uh, also, her mom getting involved in a little bit in the match. Tony Storm also came out to God Save the Queen. Don't know if that costs any money, but um, also a nice touch. Uh, things did break down versus Soraya and Tony Storm during the match like we thought it would. Uh, Ruby Soho came out to try to settle things down. Did not work either. 
So things don't look like they're so friendly now with the outcasts. We'll see what happens there. But Soraya comes out with the win to win the championship. I'm pretty sure I said it, and a lot of other people thought the same thing. You can't put Soraya in this match and not have her win in the UK. So it went down the way I thought. I don't have a problem with it, but she needs to now wrestle, you know, and sort of defend that belt. We can't just have her not wrestle. So that's my only problem here. There are a lot of stories, though, going on with the outcasts, with Britt Baker and Sheeta, who were aligned and now maybe not aligned. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more here coming on tonight. I'm going to go to Ryan first and see what you thought about this, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to dedicate as much time and thought to this match as they did. It was a match. Okay. Going to go to Joe second. I appreciate Tony Storm, and I thought she carried a lot of match as far as storytelling. And that's okay. I feel like we're all seeding our time here to Kate, who was holding her face as everybody was talking. So, Kate, take it away. Soraya. Okay, first of all, it was a 14-minute time window with nine minutes of in-ring. Queen is, like, pretty famously linked to Emi Sakura for all of the Freddie Mercury stuff that she's doing, and people were already like, that girl should be on the card. So that was fucking dumb for starters. Soraya has no connection to We Will Rock You. This was clearly just to cock-block Roddy Radke from playing because he's a transphobic piece of shit. All right, so for starters, it's ridiculous that... In six hours of wrestling, four women got nine minutes in the ring. That's just trash. There's no defense of it. I don't want to hear, well, Chris is going to be on this next. I don't give a fuck. Will Ospreay wrestled the day before and came out and did two Stormbreakers to Chris Jericho. I don't want to fucking hear about this. I don't want to hear about pacing of the show. I don't want to hear about we had to get the stars on when your women's stars are sitting at home. You got Willow at home. You got Athena at home. This is just a fucking trash excuse for representation on the show. And that's just the representation aspect of it. The match itself. What the fuck was this? Why is she pinning Tony Storm, who had the title three weeks ago? What the fuck was the point of the Sheeta title reign if she was going to pin Tony Storm anyway? What is this? Just have her pin Tony Storm for the fucking title, and then the outcasts falling apart makes way more sense. It's about the title. Starlet Tony Storm falling apart because she lost her title to her friend is even more fun than this is. This is absolute fucking horseshit. This is so poorly executed. And not for nothing, I don't know how many times you're going to screw over Sheeta in the process, but Soraya has wrestled three times this year okay in the words of matt bowman her neck is like made out of graham crackers at this point and she has endometri endometriosis they paid a lot of money for this woman if she could wrestle she would be wrestling more she can't go right now this is a fucking stupid vince mcmahon-esque booking decision to give her a moment and the only way to properly pay it off is to have her turn around and lose it immediately at all out and so far the women's championship is not being defended at all out. And if it's not put on the card on Rampage, it's not put on the card on Collision, it'll just be even more horseshit. 
on top of horseshit on top of horseshit. We were moving in such a good direction. There were stakes across all programs to get to this. The tournament was weird. I don't know why Tony Storm got a buy, but at least things were making sense. I don't know why the fuck you do this to Sheeta. It's horseshit. It's so stupid. It is back to the lack of care that we always see. And it's so frustrating when they put their foot on the gas and then pull it back. It's more frustrating than when they just don't care at all because they make me feel like I should be getting invested, that all my ranting is going to lead somewhere. And then they just pull the rug out from under it. But to have her pin Tony Storm, who had the title three weeks ago, is so dumb. So dumb. So infuriating. The fact that this is the only match on the card also makes it worse because, like, you can book for a moment if you have other shit on the show. Sorry, I probably should win there. You have no other stories for women on the show. Awful. Just awful. Three matches this year for Soraya. And not for nothing, Rampage matches can be edited. So we don't even actually know what she like looks like and can do. This was so dumb. I, I just... I it Every time it feels like there's a plan in place, it feels like the South Park manatees with idea balls come in. And that's who's booking the shit. It, it's just inexplicable how little care this division gets when all the other stuff clearly does. And God, just fuck over Sheeta more. Can I play devil's advocate on two points? You can play devil's advocate on whatever points you want. You said the women's title is not being defended at all out. Neither is the men's. As of yet. Neither is the men's championship. Right, but there's a ton of other men's matches on the card. <laughs> no, but but if it's meant to feel like an important show and to have important matches, you would want essentially both of your championships to be def defended. Right. But like there aren't women's tag titles. There aren't women's trios titles. Right. So mm -hmm. there's not a women's international title. Mm -hmm. There's the TV. You had a new champion. No, I listen, a new champion. I'm not saying you're wrong, but defend? I'm just saying. MJF's not defending. That's also fucking stupid. I don't disagree. I'm just saying. I'm playing devil's advocate here. So if he doesn't have to work, she doesn't have to work. But I think they both should have to work. We will get the TBS championship at All Out. So yeah, but it's like if MJF has a week off, that makes more sense because there's plenty of other men on the show. Like when you undercut you're already going out of your way to make nothing feel important. And then to take the only important thing and not have it on the show is horseshit. My other thing I think I'd like to play devil's advocate on. Uh, I forgot. I can't remember. You, you wanted to defend Ronnie Radke. Is that what it was? No, not at all. That band's awful anyway. I was so distracted <laughs> at looking at Ryan uh, that I forgot what uh what i was gonna play devil's advocate on we I'll haven't think. had a good kate rant in a long time and because it, things were making sense and and, and then they while, took that away and while the oh. reason for the rant sucks and all that sucks the rant itself still touches touches my heart it still makes me feel good i don't know i'm gonna say that the rant felt a little forced to me i'm gonna say it was a mid rant well, you wouldn't know when women are forcing it okay Sounds like you're not supporting women, Ant. Oh, really? 
That's what it sounds like. Are you saying but, she did the rant for a moment? Yeah, I feel like that was just for a moment. You think that it was just... I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of builds to that, actually. <laughs> I feel like that built for a really long time. Four years, even. I mean, I, she couldn't lose. She could not lose. I don't mind that she pinned Tony Storm. Be- and you have a group that's breaking uh, up. And it's the also, perfect spot. Yeah. Better than you, baby, are defending the titles at all. So MJF is at least wrestling. I don't give a fuck. It's not the world championship. Those but your world champion nothing. is wrestling. No, 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 no. I don't care. He's not wrestling for the belt that matters. No, but no. You're not even having her on at all. How do we know that yet? Well, she's not on at all. They are definitely have... not going to have a men's championship match. They're not. But their men's champion, at least, is there in wrestling. But he's but it's not the belt. Like to me, I'm I'm not even gonna. We're gonna talk about all out later, but all out doesn't feel like an important pay per view to me. Your your championship, your men's championship, and your women's championship are not being defended. Why do I care? No, it, it is the least pay per view pay per view ever. Um, I think though the only thing I would say is maybe this was the devil's advocate point, Kate. She pinned Tony Storm. I don't have a problem with that because of where it leads to with the storyline, right? Of of the thing breaking up, and that's inherently a four way. the The champion doesn't have to be pinned, and the champion was was locked up with Britt Baker, who thought she had it locked in for a win, and she didn't. So I don't like, have her a problem with her winning the title. Or I don't have a problem with her winning Tony Storm. What am I saying? I don't have a problem with her pinning Tony Storm. I have a problem with her pinning Tony Storm when you could have just had her pin her for the title because Tony Storm had the title three weeks ago. I'm saying that the planning going into it is I am all for the outcast breaking up. This is overstated. It's welcome like it's a Jericho stable. I am fine with that part of it. Um, and I love this version of Tony Storm. We'll talk about that later. But like I don't understand if she's just going to pin Tony Storm anyway, why you don't do that for the title. It's the highest stake that you could have. And she was your champion up until three weeks ago. It makes no sense. I, but I also think there's more that's going to happen here with Britt Baker and, and Sheeta. And we're going to talk about that when we get to dynamite. But I think that this is also going to be a catalyst for something with them and maybe a turn somewhere with one of them. But Either way, I can't. I'm not going to argue your main points, Kate. I don't disagree. The match was too short. The Emmy Sakura thing with the Queen, like I thought that I thought that she used. I thought that Soraya used Queen in her parents' promotion. Oh, did she? I didn't know that. I thought I could be wrong. Somebody it's, will fact check us and tell me I'm an idiot. But it's cool that they shelled out for a big moment. Like it's good that they did that. Realistically, I just feel like. It was funny. Like uh, there was this groundswell of like Emmy Sakura should be on the card, and then obviously they paid for those rights a long time ago. <laughs> My guess is if Jamie Hader was on this card, she would have gotten Queen, or you know something. Something, yeah, for sure. Anyway, moving on, we had Christian Cage and Shane Swerve Strickland versus Darby Allen and Sting in a coffin match. Talk about shelling out money for music rights. Sting and Darby Allen come out to seek and destroy by Metallica. They also win this match, so it they end the they they end the match with seek and destroy, so they definitely paid for that one. Um, again, I didn't necessarily have a problem with this match. 
Um, it's a coffin match. Like, you know what you're getting. I loved, uh, I liked the bat spot where they threw the bat in the coffin and sting used it to block them from closing it. Also loved when Christian was in there and, um, you know, stuck his leg out and his hands out. Same thing with swerve. Like it just looks painful to have this coffin being closed on your fingers. Um, you know, we see Luchasaurus, we see Nick Wayne, ultimately the faces win. I didn't have a problem with this because Sting is also a great no-selling son of a bitch. And uh, a man in his 60s doesn't need to try to go through a table, fail, and then do it again and go through it. Um, Just a fucking madman, Sting. But the people of the UK deserve to see Sting. Joker Sting at that. Um, So I did... Did not have a problem with it. Um, I thought it was just a fun match. Joe, let's go with you. Any thoughts here? You know, this might have been my least one of my least favorite matches on the card, just because it felt like I've seen it before. Like you mentioned, um, a lot of Darby's coffin matches all feel the same. You do crazy spots, he ends up winning because he's never going to lose a coffin match. Um, I don't know where we stand on Swerve's hair sticking out of the coffin. If that, where if we if we can make an argument that he didn't lose, if you can put a hand out, if you can put a bat out, why can't you put your hair out there? So it is funny when they did cut back to the ring, his hair was not hanging out of that casket anymore. I Kate. feel like he's not the kind of heel that would use that either, like because he, he's not chicken shit. Uh, but there there is an opportunity to do that if you wanted. Um. This match was a lot of fun. A coffin drop onto the coffin looks like just ouch. Um, I was laughing to myself because at Forbidden Door Sting, that match was rough. And he said after he was like, man, like I might not be doing these spots anymore. And then I watched him out there. <laughs> it was like, you were either working or you have forgotten what you had said at Forbidden Door because he... That was a really, that was not good at Forbidden Door, what they did. Um, and he was just like, I don't know anymore that he's out there doing this. Uh, this was a ton of fun. I'm, I'm happy for someone like Swerve to have gotten um, to fight Sting in front of 80,000 people. Like, that's just, that's just cool. That's just a cool moment. Um, these maniac matches always end up on the card somewhere. Probably could have used it a little earlier. I feel like break up some of that sequencing, but I'm with Joe in that like this is one of my less liked matches on the card, but it's just the depth of the card. Like it, it has nothing to do with this being a bad match for me in any way. It's just that like, like we had Jericho and Osprey. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is nuts. So um, low, lower part of the card for me, but strictly because of the depth. It was so good. And it had all the spots you could have wanted. The, the Darby's hand tied behind his back stuff was ridiculous as well also fantastic work out of christian just continuing we don't see a lot of christian but when we do it's gold um he's just been doing great um the turtleneck with the cutoffs just fantastic ryan anything you'd like to add feels like joe and kate are hating on sting and i i don't like that um no Sting's from nebraska i don't hate on him feels like you're hating on him and i don't like i don't like what i'm seeing there hate on him 
I was my least favorite card on the least favorite match on the card. Seems like you're hating on Sting, and I don't really appreciate that. The man is a legend, deserves your respect. Take some wild bumps for you. I, I don't like the feeling that you guys are saying that this was not your favorite match. It wasn't my favorite match either, but that's beside the point. You cranky little bitch. <laughs> Can I interject with, uh, as we're discussing the card here, uh, Kate and Joe, I feel like Ryan's trying to assert his dominance a little bit now since he's not no longer the low man on the totem pole. You're going to hump my leg? <laughs> you could only be so lucky, Joe, okay? I don't know. We're going to... We're gonna send Ryan on excursion if he keeps this up. Okay, we got our we got our young boy. I'm not a young boy. You can't. We're do gonna that. have our our graduating young lion go on excursion. It's gonna be good. I'm, I've already graduated. You can't do that. I mean, Ryan. The difference here is now your expenses, your travel expenses would be paid, but there are limits to that. That's true. I'm just saying. I wish these two would appreciate the legend sting. We do. Doesn't feel like you do. I don't appreciate you. Oh, tomatoes. Doesn't even mention his British accent in the little video thing they did before <laughs> the match. Like, it was very much like Keanu in what was that movie? Was it uh, Interview with a Vampire? No, or was it Bram Stoker's Dracula? Wherever, where like for the first quarter of the movie he had a British accent and then it's gone. That was very much. Yes, this thing got rid of it very quickly. So was his accent better or worse than than Ant? Better yeah, yeah. that was that was a rough that was a rough British accent from it. Okay, so. if you guys, I'm see, I'm being serious here. If you guys recall a movie called Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Paul Rudd's character when he sees uh, all this snow or whatever his name is, he goes, "You sound like you're from London, England." That's right. I'm out to snow. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> hi, Jesse Ozog. Good to see you jump in in the chat tonight. It is a full house. It's going well. We're still working our way through All In before we even get to the news of All In. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay wins by pinfall with the Stormbreaker, the second Stormbreaker, I should mention. Um, guys, we could probably go on and on about this match. I'm going to say this may be, in my opinion, the best match Chris Jericho has had in his entire AEW career. I thought he looked great. I thought Osprey looked great. And um when his contract runs up in New Japan, I think this match is going to be one that everybody who can afford him will look to and be like we need to sign him. Like whatever it's going to take. And the 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 E could come offering ridiculous money and he could take it and I would understand why. Uh, but man, it was a it was a joy to see Will Ospreay in this match for me, uh, and I loved it. Uh, no special steps, no nothing like that. Even with the Sammy involvement with the bat, not you know, uh, not losing because of that. Then obviously post match Jericho shoving Sammy. We will talk about that later. Um, I just thought this was really good segment of this show. Um, since I know you're such a huge Will Ospreay fan, I'm going to go to Ryan first. Thank you. I was Ospreaying for this. Uh, this was... Making him immediately regret going to you first. Never again. 
This was a great match. Uh, I don't think enough was, I mean, it was mentioned tonight, but I still don't think enough was made out of the fact that Osprey kicked out of the Judas effect. Not a lot of wrestlers have done that. It's been a heavily protected move. And he kicked out clean like it wasn't any. Uh, so that was really nice touch. It makes you wonder who can't Osprey have a good match with? It's true. That's the because Jericho. Listen, Jericho is a legend, and even five years ago, I wouldn't say he needs Osprey to carry him to a, a match of this caliber. Recent matches have shown he's definitely declined, and then Osprey pulls this out of him. It's either like Jericho was saving himself, or Osprey could have a good match with a with a, with a paperback. So I want to. I will try to leave other spots for everybody else. I just want to bring up that I loved that the Judas effect being kicked out of was a big moment to me. And that's a moment where I saw Jericho being like toss, right? Like, I'm going to give you something like, this is going to be your thing. And then I'm going to take two storm breakers, but you're kicking out of the Judas effect. Well, knowing uh, there's also another giant uh, Will Ospreay fan on this show, Joe, what did you think? Osprey is my wrestler of the year. Um, and like Ryan said, he could have a good match with anyone. He could get a four-star match out of Ryan. He could carry Ryan. Oh, something crazy finish. here. Wow. Um, Joe's coming with fire. He doesn't want to Tokyo Dome. Wow. If Ryan went to the Tokyo Dome, I know he doesn't leave his house, but if he made it to the Tokyo Dome, six stars. Yeah. What's the Tokyo Dome? The Tokyo Dome? Oh, fuck you. Uh, I thought the German suplex that Osprey took on the on the apron on the edge of the apron was nasty looking. I'm like, I don't know how you take that bump. And um, and I love the sequence of the Judas effect block with the hook kick and then the cutter sequence. It just was so fluid and smooth, and um, it just it's everything I enjoy watching Osprey do in the ring. So, um, yeah, I think yeah, I don't have any, any complaints about it. It was really, really good, and I don't know who we can't have a bad match with. Well, that leaves us with maybe the one person on the show who really doesn't care for Will Ospreay. Kate, what do you think? That was fine. Okay. <laughs> it was quite the sales pitch to Will Ospreay, huh? <laughs> In six months from now, they're going to be like, remember that time? Uh to answer your question about who can't he have a good match with, I just posted that clip before of him pulling off an ending sequence of three Destinos with an out on his feet concussed uh, Naito. Uh, not even close for me as far as wrestler of the year goes. Like his G1, he got a great match out of Kenta. Speaking of like legends who are kind of on their, their back nine here. Um, just unbelievable and he wrestled the night before (laughs) like it's it's just crazy what he's been able to do with everyone and i love how complete the stories he tells in the ring are like um i also by the way we joe and i obviously weren't on the show last week but the i thought the promo he gave going into this was great because i feel like jericho's been taking losses and hasn't necessarily looked great so how do you make this feel like super important and i thought he just did a fantastic job uh, i i loved this match and the yeah the two Stormbreakers and the blade runner at the end jericho countering was really really good uh best match out of jericho in a really long time not surprised Will osprey was the guy to get him there 
but uh, along with Joe, just like what a outstanding body of work he's had in general. But like this, this past eight months or so has just been out of control. Um, and I, it was nice because a lot of people self-included worked themselves into like, Oh, Omega Osprey three is going to be here. I think new Japan was like, Omega Osprey three is going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. So good for them. They're right. But this didn't, this wasn't something I was excited about when it got announced. And my God, what a, what a great match it ended up being. And I agree with you. I think this is probably, I was trying to think of his AEW singles matches. And this is, this is probably Jericho's best one. And it, it really is a testament to both of them how great this was. Uh, and just cool for Will Ospreay to get a moment. I'm, I'm sure he went to Wembley as a kid for all sorts of dumb shit and to. Yeah. come out to 80,000 people with the entrance and the gear like what a what a special thing for that guy to get to have so just incredible just incredible stuff from Will Ospreay and it just continues to blow my mind what he's able to do with just about anybody of any style in the ring nuts uh I'd also like you mentioned Kate uh well uh, Ryan and I just so you know we both said last week because we talked about the promo obviously we both thought it did a great job building just how important this match should feel you know like they really did a good job with that but beyond that just just with the fact you mentioned will osprey wrestled the night before two things about that one how much faith aew brass must have had in him to let him do that and not chance him getting hurt the night before you have eighty-one thousand thirty-five people to come to your show so that's one. Will Ospreay being allowed to do that, awesome. And two, also awesome that the fact Jericho showed up there to fuel the story for the next night, which also just shows you how cool Jericho must be. For all he's done, he'll still show up at an indie show to further the story that they're telling in the main promotion. Like I, I just thought both of those things were really cool for them to have been allowed to do. And I'll so. just say, yes, wrestling security needs to get it together. Just stop I've, letting these masked men pass you all the time. Like, get it, get it together, man. We've seen some wrestling security. LSG comes to mind. He's a six time loser on AEW television. Yeah. That's why they got him working security. So, you know, not the much, that much faith. Loser St. Giovanni, unfortunately. That's right. I'm glad to have coined that one. Um, next up, security guard. <laughs> that's also a good one. Um, <laughs> next up, we had the trios championship match. It was uh no holds barred house rules match. The badass Billy Gunn and the acclaimed versus the house of black. Uh, the acclaimed comes out of here with a win. I did not think that that was going to happen. Uh, we're going to talk about the acclaimed, uh, in the next hour. And then I became glad that they became the trio champions. But um, I just don't know where we're going with this. You know, like what is going on with the House of Black? I mean, there is news on the House of Black, but I just don't understand. Like they had these belts. They had started the. Oh, you're welcome. LSG. Hey, <laughs> hey. I do. <laughs> um, That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I just don't know what they're doing here with the House of Black. Right. Like they did this whole House of Black or the House Rules matches. Um, and they did like a few of those defenses. And then one time the acclaimed was like, we don't need special rules. So it didn't really feel like much. I just like, 
I, I that's the only reason that I'm, I was sort of like, what's going on? Like, why did we have to get these belts off them? Like, I like the, I listen, everybody loves the acclaimed me included, but I just still sort of was like, why, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand why, why we did this. Um, but what were they doing with the house in black with the trios tiles lately? Other than just, I mean, where were they going to go with them? No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't yeah. understand like why we weren't doing anything with the house of black. I didn't necessarily want them to, uh, Ryan is so popped by the fact that Gio was in the chat. It's like, I'm so popped that we don't say it, that we don't say it that often. And then we went in on it tonight. We've randomly. said it a couple of times. It's about time he'd be around for it. I know. Ryan, why do you think I say it all the time? Cause I'm waiting for the response. But it had no place tonight. Like it didn't really have relevancy. No, not at all. Not even a little. He's a security guard. True. But still. We worked we it in. It made sense. So anyway, that's just my take on this. Kate, uh, you know, where do you stand on this trio, the trios titles and the acclaimed and the house of black? Like, uh, did this make sense to you? No, not oh, at all. I didn't, I didn't like this. Um, I love Bowens. I don't think they should be a trio because Bowens is the only great worker of the three. And I, they did not do a good job of building me into believing that these three guys could take down the house of black. Like there was at no point in the match where I was like story tracks. Um, and they shouldn't be a trio. Like what works about house of black is you have three entirely different types of wrestlers and you can't really prepare for any of these guys because the second you adjust to Malachi black striking, you get hit with Brody Lee and his thighs. Right. So there's all these things. Um, and there, at no point do I think Max Castro or Billy Gunn have a shot in hell and Bowen's against the three of them, like not the best odds. So I, I didn't like it. Um, and I don't like them having the trios titles. And I also thought there was somewhere to go with LFI and house of black. That's an awesome, awesome, awesome feud. That's now just kind of being left on the table. So I feel like they did kind of stall out on the trios titles in that way, but I also feel like you put them on the claimed and now what? Like to me, it should have been Blackpool Combat Club, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, Joe, what do you think of this whole situation? Well, now they just sell merchandise with it. Now they can sell replica belts and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. um. I, I liked the entrance of House of Black. I liked the the gear. I liked the the braid tribute. Um, I was a little sad that we couldn't. They didn't have Ass Man music for the badass. I wasn't quite sure what the difference of badass Billy Gunn was and Daddy Ass during the pay per view. It looked pretty much the same to me. Um, and then the other thing I'm kind of confused about through the match was just the random cut ins of Mercedes during this match. Yeah, it was like they couldn't find her before, so they just cut her in now. Mercedes versus Brody King. Set it up. Come in. <laughs> Shlong, what's your take on the trio situation? I was surprised. Uh, it's a very over trio, so I, I don't actually think it's as bad as Kate does if they won. They're very popular with the fans. Tonight's oh, that's segment over. actually that means it's good. So is Dominic Mysterio. He fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong on that opinion too, but it's okay. Um you are, but it's okay. Tonight's segment 
made it even more so with with the new belts. Um, so I actually had a lot of fun with this match. Thought it was really good. Uh, Kate doesn't appreciate badass Billy Gunn, and I get it. You know, she doesn't understand what a badass is. You know, she's just not there is as a person. And if like a famous earth at the end of the match, because that's just basically what. No, it's his tights saying "badass" with two D's. Oh, yeah. okay. God, I wish she understood these things more, Aunt. Don't you? Seriously. I don't. I can't fit them into my small woman brain. Now we know. That's why you can only handle a nine-minute match. But that's true. No, I have no problems with this. I thought it was good, and I think there's still stories coming out of this. You can still do LFI versus House of Black. That doesn't go away. We need more the trios rivalries that have nothing to do with the belt. Yeah, but you can no. put the belt on LFI better. You don't, the Acclaim didn't need the belt as much as LFI could use the belts. Well, and that now this is the second time that the trio's title has felt lesser to a feud or a potential feud than a different trios thing existing, right? Like, I feel like Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite started as a trios thing that felt more important than those titles already. So I'm all for multiple stories of multiple divisions going on. My God, I scream about it constantly on the show, I feel like. Uh, but you can't have it overpowered, and I don't know what you do with the acclaimed from this point. Especially because Max Caster is serviceable, Billy Gunn is your hot tag. Like, I'm all for watching Anthony Bowen show out on my screen anytime. But, like, the point of a trio is to have not that, right? So that's that's my thing. Valid points. Valid points all around. Yeah, I'm really uh, smart. And funny no, and pretty. No. Well, all those things. And finally, our main event match. Adam Cole versus MJF for the AEW World Championship. Thank you, Kate. Um, so during this match, we do get a double clothesline, which leads to a double pin, which leads to a draw. But Max asked, or sorry, Adam asked for five more minutes. Max says, you're fucking right. We're doing it until we have a winner. And we continue. Roddy comes down to the ring to try to sway Adam Cole to use the belt. Adam does not. And he gets rolled up with a small package by MJF. And MJF retains the championship. After the match, there is a little bit of back and forth between Adam Cole and MJF. Adam Cole, you know, MJF accuses Cole of only caring about the title this whole time, not their friendship. MJF sort of gives himself up to be taken out by the belt. It doesn't happen. We embrace as best friends, bro. Chachos. Everyone's happy. They raise each other's arms. Uh, and it is announced after the match that if you enjoyed this show, you'll enjoy it next year because they will be back for all in Wembley to August 25th, 2024. Book your hotel and flight now. Um, so, uh, Joe, what did you think of the main event? Did it ultimately, what I would like to know from everybody is ultimately, did it live up to the hype of a main event? Yeah, I think it did for me. Um, I, again, I kept waiting for that split, that division between Cole and, and MJF, and not having it happen here was, you know, Obviously, it kept giving us more going forward. Um, so it's kind of a nice little slow burn to the eventual division. Um, so I like that part. And then I thought, I thought that the um, the character worked by both Cole and MJF throughout the match, um, seeing how conflicted they were throughout the match of 
you know who they really are and you know what what shortcuts they're willing to take um in the name of friendship or lack thereof um so yeah and then i think once they get past hopefully they defend their roh titles and they get past the kingdom i really want them to face the best friends for the title of bestest best friends and the winners get friendship bracelets I like that. Yeah, I like welcome. friendship bracelets. It should also be noted too. Uh, I forgot to mention MJF did not use the ring. Uh, he had it ready to go and then decided against it in the name of friendship. And also uh, Bryce Remsburg took quite a ref bump. Um, so it wasn't one of those cheap ones. It was quite a ref bump. Uh, so um, Kate, with those things also in mind uh, that I forgot to mention, did this live up to the hype? Yes and no. I feel like I loved the match and I like the story they're telling a lot, but because I was expecting a turn, um, I did feel like it was in the moment. I kind of felt like it was a little unsatisfactory, but I like the story continuing. I think the payoff is going to get built to be even more monumental. Also kind of justified what happened with the tag team titles a little bit more, uh, but I loved the storytelling in this. Both of them having a chance to choose friendship and both of them having a chance to choose the title. Really, really good stuff. The spot where MJF had Adam Cole up, it was on the table. It was like, you can do it, Max. Like the table's narrow when he was talking to himself, like all those little things, man, MJF is just so damn good at uh, being in the story. Like, it's really rare that you get to see someone be in the story in the way that he's in the story. Um, just just excellent. And and Adam Cole's so great, too. But I loved, I loved how many times Max had to choose actively to not be a piece of shit. And that, that he still got to win makes this more interesting. Um, Bryce Remsburg, man. Ref bump to end all ref bumps. My God. That was a full bump. Loved Adam Cole's facial expression after too he's really good at the what the fuck did i just do without it being so cartoonish spot um just really really great stuff and i i i still feel like they could go either way with whoever turns on who it feels more and more like it's adam cole and we could talk about what happens tonight with that a little bit but fucking a like this is really really good and so i i understand the temptation to to keep it going but that's a pretty special moment because it's I'm pretty sure they're like legit friends too. So to actually get to stand with your friend in front of 80,000 people in main event, the biggest show in wrestling history is, is pretty fucking cool. And Shlong, how about you? Did this live up to the hype? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this match. It was really good storytelling. This match was all about story. Kate made a good point for once when uh, she pointed out that it, <laughs> that it it made the tag decision early on in the night feel a little bit better because I was dreading the inevitable, oh, he already turned he turned on them and now they're tag champs together. That was going to be such a terrible storyline. Um, so it made that feel a little bit better. And Adam Cole was kind of a piece of shit throughout the match, which was the interesting thing. MJF consistently chose the good guy thing. And Adam Cole, up until the end, was taking all the shortcuts he could. So it was kind of interesting. Well, I do think it lived up to the hype because, you know, for a match that we thought could come to actually main event Wembley and get the reactions it did, 
they told a good story leading up to it. And, you know, these aren't your two, I guess, traditional main event, you know, guys, right? Uh, they're not giants. They're not, you know, sort of these Connecticut fucking main event caliber guys. So I thought it definitely lived up to the hype. It gave you everything you want. The story continues. I'm here for this. I'm here to see where it goes because I thought it just really did a good job. So I thought overall the show was a lot of fun. Um, now we have to talk about the uh, shadow over this event as well, because about, I don't know, a third of the way through the show news started to spread that there had been a backstage altercation between two parties. And then it started to come out that it was jungle Jack Perry and CM Punk. And in the media scrum, Tony Khan came right out and said, I can't comment on it this time, but there was an incident backstage before we went on live. Uh, we're investigating and he had to learn more of what happened and couldn't really address it. Um, but he said he wanted to be honest. Well, in the days that follow, we find out that um, there was an altercation with CM Punk and Jack Perry. Jack Perry in his match did look into the camera and say that was real glass. Um, and apparently backstage, they had an altercation. There were a lot of different accounts of that story going around. There still are. We're not going to go through all of them. But apparently someone wasn't happy with the other one. They got a little physical. They were separated. And they were both asked to leave the arena early. Um, so uh, some rumor mill stuff uh, going around was that uh, the Torch was reporting Jack Perry is going to take the brunt of the blame from management for the altercation with CM Punk backstage because he should have known, you know, that his, uh, his on-air jab was going to cause an issue with Punk. Um, and then they also said that uh, the company's a little frustrated with CM Punk because he's got a controversial leadership style that will escalate situations that could be avoided if he would handle them in a less confrontational manner. No. Some way other than assaulting your coworkers? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, Torch also went on to say that uh, after All In, Punk threatened to quit over frustration with everything that had happened um, and that production did consider ways to fill time on the broadcast because Punk uh, said he wasn't going to go on but was able to regroup and apparently Samoa Joe helped uh, talk him back into calming himself down and going out and doing the job that they were going to go out there to do, which was good because the match was good, right? So we got a good match. Um, some other veterans are out, or a veteran also talked to the torch and said that uh, they put blame on Tony Khan for fostering the environment. But, you know, this has happened with experienced wrestlers too, where people think they can go into business by them, you know, for themselves. Um, there were also reports from Fightful and I think the House of Wrestling that said there haven't been a, there has not been a lot of communication since all in between uh, CM Punk and uh, Tony Khan. Uh, some rumors even go as far to say that CM Punk is is quit. He is no longer there. He doesn't want to be there. There's it's still sort of unconfirmed. What is still sort of unconfirmed, although I saw it in Sports Illustrated, so I don't fucking know anymore, is that Jack Perry and CM Punk 
um, were both suspended. So it is likely that they are not going to be, um, it's likely they're not going to be on All Out this weekend. Um, you know, in this case, the word is that Tony Khan witnessed the altercation. Maybe not how it started, but he witnessed it. Like they got into a tussle and maybe some monitors sort of in gorilla position got knocked over. So he saw what was going on. Um, but basically, you know, the accounts that are out there, the basic account, like I said, we're not going through every one of them, but what you could sort of boil down from all accounts is something happened where punk addressed Jack Perry and said, do you have a problem with me? And Perry said something like, well, you heard what I said. And then punk basically said, you know, I can beat your ass. And then they started to tussle and maybe said, let's take this outside. You know, so who the fuck knows? Uh, we'll know, I guess, when more, when more came out, but when more comes out at some point, there are also reports out there that say that CM Punk chewed out Tony Khan in front of a number of people backstage. So things don't seem to be moving in a great, <laughs> great direction right now. We have to discuss this because we've, uh, this has, you know, clearly ripple effects that will affect everything. Brawl out happened and fucked everything up for months. You know, the title had to be vacated. The trios titles were vacated. Storylines that they were setting up were put to rest. You know, now if these guys are suspended, CM Punk in Chicago is not going to be on his Chicago show. When, you know, you'd want to make that Chicago money putting him on the show. Almost hate to say it, you'd almost want to say put him on the show, then you know, strip him of that title by losing that match and then suspend him or do whatever you're gonna do. But this is just not good, not a good situation to me, man. The the other ripple that happened here is there's reports that Brody King broke his hand because he got frustrated at what happened, hearing what happened and punched a wall or a garbage can or something. And now he's he's got a hand injury. So like you know, again, we have to talk about it because it's it's out there and we are an AEW focused show. Guys, what the fuck is going on here? Like how how much more of this can we take? In my opinion, there's a common denominator here. There's one person who's been tied to all of these, you know, instances. I don't not I don't not fault Tony Khan for this because you have to fucking control what's going on if it's your company. But there is still one common denominator that's been involved in two altercations now backstage. How much more of this can we do? Can we handle? I'm not even going to joke around. Kate, you're you're probably the biggest CM Punk mark on the show. I would love to hear your thoughts. And I'm not I'm not looking at that as a way to jab at you. I really just want to know what you think at this point, because. You know, how many times are we going to do this with where it's going to affect what you've got coming down the pipeline? No, of course. It's it's fucking ridiculous. Um it's it's ridiculous for so many reasons. And I gotta say, like the chief one is you brought him back with nothing resolved. And like of oh, fucking of course this is gonna happen again. Like you brought him back. You're going to Forbidden Door and you're having him sit at the other end of the building of certain town like it is so insanely predictable at this point. You know there's an issue with Jack Perry and CM Punk. Why is someone not there to make sure they don't cross paths? Um, 
probably a really dumb fucking idea by Jack Perry to poke the bear right before somebody goes out uh, to fight Samoa Joe at the start of a pay-per-view in front of 80,000 people. Uh, really, really just a fucking stupid idea all around. Um, Punk, I don't know, man. I, I, you're fighting a friend you've had for decades in front of 80,000 people to kick off the biggest pay-per-view in history and you're still not happy. Go home. Like, figure it out. Because if, if you're... If you're not in that moment because you're fixating on what was a shitty but pretty benign line from Jack Perry, like, you're not a well person at this point. Like, you're just not. Um, I think it's all fucking ridiculous. I think CM Punk is ridiculous. I think you get paid extremely well to go to work once or twice a week. I understand it's the most physically, mentally, and emotionally demanding job in the world, maybe. Grow the fuck up. You don't get to assault your coworkers. You still have a job to do. You don't get to send home the head of talent relations because you're in a pissy mood in Christopher Daniels a couple weeks. Like, what we know is CM Punk's attitude is not changing, right? And what we also know is that Tony Khan does fucking jack shit about it. So either negotiate his release or have there be consequences for his actions. Now, the suspension makes sense because... The suspension is also probably predicated by a legal investigation. That's what happened, right? So mm -hmm. we know when this happened with the elite, they were suspended um, because of the investigation and CM Punk was injured anyway, right? So that all aside, this happens there. And let's not forget, it's also international law. So now you're dealing with the UK law and the US law and all this shit. Really unfortunate timing, not only with the biggest wrestling event in history, but back-to-back -back events in Chicago, of course. Um, but, like, how did you not see it coming? It's just to have all the guys who don't get along on the front of things, I mean, literally in back-to-back-to-back -back -back matches, is just asinine. Like, you, you got to do a better job of seeing this shit coming if you're not going to do anything. One of two things has to change. His attitude has to change or you have to fucking do something. Preferably both, right? Mm -hmm. His attitude certainly hasn't changed. So you got to figure out a way to get out ahead of it. Just ridiculous. And I got to say, it's kind of insane that CM Punk and Samoa Joe put out as good of a match as they did after that. Because that happened. It sound, they, were, they were changing out Pyro because they thought they were going to have to change the order of the card because this was that close leading up to the incident. And then right. they ultimately didn't because Samoa Joe fucking rules and got everybody to get their heads out of their ass. And they went on and put on a great match. Um, so it, it's just who could have seen it coming except for literally everybody it, It's such a frustrating pattern that we keep seeing in this way. Um, and it sucks that it overshadowed the event. Now, I will say it felt like up until today and half of yesterday, it didn't overshadow the event. It sounded like Sam Punk's a dick. But we had this really great show, and then Monday kind of felt that way too. And then when details started to emerge, it started to detract from that. Also, you have to figure out <laughs> staff got sick in Wembley. Uh, people weren't there because Bray's funeral was originally scheduled for today, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. And now you don't have CM Punk or Jack Perry for All Out. So you have to figure out what collision looks like for the entire time that this is going on. And CM Punk's been involved in basically every story on Collision. So, right. Holy and shit. 
are you up against it? And I and I also want <clears throat> to be clear too, because you you said too, like it doesn't help that Jack Perry poked the bear. I don't I don't uh, I don't take any blame off of Jack Perry either. You have to be better than that. You can't. Oh be, yeah, but you as a forty five year old veteran need to grow the fuck up. No, I was gonna say that that's the bigger point is you can't play down to their level when you're supposed to be the veteran pro, right? Yeah. You can't play down to somebody who should know better who is significantly younger and doesn't have as much experience as you do uh, in a bigger company. You know, it's just, it's really unfortunate. And to, and to call out too, um, like you had said, they were figuring out how they were going to switch the card around. Initially there were reports uh, from, I don't know, the torture, the observer, somebody maybe fightful too. I can't remember since there's news coming out from everywhere, but the word was originally they went to FTR and the Bucks to say, can you lead this show off if we need you? But they were not ready. I don't know if they were still working things through or still just physically preparing, but they weren't ready. And uh, apparently the Golden Elite and the uh, Bullet Club and Takeshita said, we're ready if you need us. Like, we'll go. So they were prepped, I think, and sort of ready if needed. And then Cooler Heads prevailed with Samoa Joe. Uh, and they got out there, as you said, Kate. So, so that was good. Um, you know, I guess Joe, uh, what's your take on this whole thing? You haven't been part of this to go through brawl out like we did. So I'd love to get your take on th this whole situation. It's interesting that happened almost a year to the date of that brawl out that we have these issues coming up again. And, there are just so many, like, apparently systemic issues within AEW's organization from top down of how they handle personnel and, and to, you know, enable some person to have that much free reign or to believe he has that much free reign isn't helping. And I don't know if it's going to take, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery to step in eventually and be like, maybe the juice isn't worth the squeeze and... You know, we negotiate a buyout and we go our separate ways and hopefully we can repair some of the locker room issues. But um, I'm in agreement with when you have a 45-year-old man getting upset at a, a young wrestler who's doing the same shit that he did coming up through the wrestling and, you know, taking little jabs and going into business for himself at times. Um, it's just interesting that his skin isn't thick enough to take some of it sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it just there's so much, you no, know, so much fault to go around. But um, I do think they were, you know, on the the sands in the hourglass of Punk's time in AW AEW. I feel like just slowly dwindling. I mean, he's he's frustrated, and some say that he said he's he's done with this and all wrestling, like he's, he's just done with it. Nothing's changed, but he seems to not be the one who's changing as well. Um, Ryan, do you think punk's worth all this mess? I mean, you know, what do you not think? When you start overshadowing your own shows and start causing situations where you have, they have to be rebooked. He's great. Inclusion is great, but you can't if you're fucking with pay-per-views coming up if you're overshadowing your own shows then no because you're just now you're actively hurting the prod uh the company i this whole thing is just stupid i like wrestling tea as much as anyone in the world this one i'm not as sold on because it's just so incredibly frustrating that people just won't grow up 
That's that's what it comes down to. People just need to grow the fuck up. Yeah. And and, and like Joe said, it is pretty much a year later uh, that this is happening again. And I think we all said last year when this happened, like, this can't ever happen again. And I think when everybody came back, we were like, clock's ticking. Like, let's see how they do this. And I can't believe it happened again with all of the nothing that they did about it. So Right. Well, and that's, again, that's where I don't, I don't take any blame away from the business either. Right. From, from the company, they, they didn't do anything to resolve the issue. They didn't No, They gave him his own show. Just like when MJF got on an airplane, they gave him the title. Like they just go out of their way to reward bad behavior. It's very odd. So what, what is the ultimate solution? If we, if we have to put our finger on a solution, do you. Firing squad, line them up against the wall. Cigarette blindfolds, just take care of it. I mean, you you just you negotiate a buyout, and we say we're done with punk. I don't think the ratings are worth the the headaches you have to go through if this is what we're going to continue to get. And again, I am not taking away from the fact that Tony Khan and management haven't done anything or put enough, you know, protective pieces in place to keep this from happening, or just not to happen in general. If you're not going to split people up. But like, there has to be a solution here, and somebody's got to take the blame and get punished for this in some way. And it's not going to be Tony Khan; he owns the company. So, what's the solution? I I don't think personally. I didn't think when it happened the first time, CM Punk was worth it. I know he pops ratings. I know he sells a lot of tickets in Chicago and a lot of other markets. But I don't think this backstage shit is worth it. So I personally, I would say that's the solution. Negotiate a buyout, let him quit, whatever the fuck you want to do. But like everybody just going radio silent on each other and being passive aggressive and not talking about it doesn't, doesn't work. So Ryan says firing squad. Joe, Kate, what do you think? What's, what's the solution here? I'll say what Sean said, which was, I think Edge's asking price just went up. I think Mercedes Monet's asking price just went up. Because I think the solution is probably to get rid of Punk, but I don't think you can really get rid of Punk unless you have another ringer in the back because you sold Warner a deal based on him being the centerpiece of your show. So how do you negotiate a buyout that lets you sign someone of a similar caliber is an issue for them. And it might be the thing that keeps them for, from releasing him. Um, but they, they need to. And I, you know, I don't know what the solution is because there, it, it sounds like there needs to be like an honest to God, sit down um, that there, there hasn't been like a real one, like an honest one, not an ESPN article, whatever the fuck, like, because if the first thing that guy said when he came back was, I'm sorry, I put you in that position, and then he immediately went and put you in that position several times over, that's horseshit. So something's going on with that dude. And I, I said when he came back, it is a huge mistake to bring him back and not before anything. To have him come back and not have sat down with the Jacksons and Kenny Omega is just stupid. Because there's just, if that's not cleared out, there's going to be people choosing sides the entire time. There's going to be people who don't want to choose sides that feel like they have to. 
Um, it, it, and it makes every, every molehill into a mountain. Like it, nobody got violently hurt in this backstage altercation. It probably wouldn't have even been something that made the news if it weren't for all these other fucking instances leading up to it. Nobody's going to give a shit about CM Punk and Jungle Boy getting into like basically a glorified kerfuffle. Um, because that shit happens in wrestling all the time. So it shouldn't. But I, I do think like, A, it's a shame that we never got an honest to God heel run out of CM Punk and AEW because that would have been magic. And B, um, I don't know what you do other than release him. Like, I don't, I don't understand what the solution is outside of that. I don't know. Because, because this ain't working. But they, they've got, they've got deep seated backstage issues that need to be addressed. Because this is just happens way too the fuck often. Way too the fuck often. It's almost like, like a lot of professional sports teams and, you know, college teams and everything else. They have like their own little sports psychologists or therapists that work with the teams. It's almost like they need someone there to help them with communication with working their shit out with one another and themselves for the betterment of the company. Um, well, yeah, you don't just, put a, you don't give them a TV show before you've done that. That's for fucking sure. Well, yeah, you, you take the toys <laughs> away from the child. You don't just say you're grand to go to your room. You take, the, you take the to your toys away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have to wait and see where, where we go with this not good right now uh and it's probably going to affect this weekend and a couple more weeks ahead so we'll have to see what comes out of this the other thing that should be noted too and then this is going to wrap up basically all in is um obviously mercedes monet was there uh they showed her a couple times on camera a lot of people were like well what the fuck is the point of having her there if she can't do anything well she was in a giant walking boot and she can't do anything and they apparently, and I'm sure she had a say, but they didn't want to show her in a giant walking boot on television. So, um, fine. Have her in the crowd, have her waiting in the wings. I don't have a problem with that. It shows just how sort of important this is, right? Hey, she's there checking it out. She's probably the biggest person out there on the free. Well, she's not a free agent thing, you know, but she's the biggest person sitting out there who they have the ability to work with. Right. So build it up a little bit. This was the first time they were able to get her in the crowd on television. So I didn't have a and, problem with that. Yeah. And, and Soraya was her last match or she was <laughs> Soraya's last match. So I was like, oh, no, Soraya's going over. Uh, so that as soon as I saw Mercedes, I was like, that's awesome. Um, so we'll we'll see what she's able to do and when she's able to do it. I, I don't know what her contract status is with Japan or anything, but. Um, she makes every product better. That's for damn sure. I, I can't wait till she's cleared again, but, uh, it makes sense that she was there based on the fact that everybody was kind of calling for that moment with, uh, with her and Soraya. Yeah. And I think, uh, she was probably going to show out, show up at blood and guts had she not been injured. Uh, and unfortunately injury is fucked up a lot of their plans lately. So, so that is all in. Uh, but we are building to all out this weekend, which seems like a B show, but we're going to talk about dynamite. We're going to talk a little bit about the match card that's been announced so far for all in. We're going to go through that stuff, uh, you know, 
quickly since it's already two hours in. But we're going to go through it, make sure everybody's brought up to speed. But before we do that, we're just going to take a quick pause for us to hit the bathroom, get a drink. You know, there's no women's wrestling, Kate, so um, so you can't get some chicken fingers. But, you know, do your best, and we will be back momentarily after a word from some of the other shows that are part of the Shining Wizards Network. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in every Monday night to listen to The Shining Wizards. If you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening, we've got a few ways for you to do that. If you shop at Amazon, go over to amazon.shiningwizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, merch.shiningwizards.com will take you to our Pro SMT store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasts. You can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash wizardspodcast, where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers. And the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive. And believe me, they are fantastic. If you can't support us monetarily, if you don't shop at Amazon, that's absolutely fine. Continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the World Wide Web. And make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe. Do all that good stuff. It doesn't cost you anything helps us out, and we can continue to bring you the love fest that is The Shining Wizards. What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always... We are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, Bit shoot and on shiningwizardsnetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T. And you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. you like your music heavy, then check out Radioactive Metal on the Shining Wizards Network. For over 16 years now, Radioactive Metal has been one of the longest running podcasts. Over the years, we've interviewed some legendary metal acts, had some awesome discussions, and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes. So join your cool Uncle Snowy and his co-host Aaron 
for the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast, or playing in punk bands, or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums, then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder because if you don't find us, we will find you. I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down-under pounders that co-host Rogue Day Dots, an action-figure-collecting podcast where we talk about, well, just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment. We're healthy old kid, and sometimes people get on our nerves, and people get on our nerves, guess what? You get off the lawn. Get off the lawn, We also go on a little bit of a mission. We go back and we're grading every wrestling figure line that's out there. I'm talking LJNs. I'm talking Jets. I'm talking Hasbros. Who doesn't like a little Hulk of Blacks? It's a Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shine Wizards Network. I'm Duke Banks. And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke Road. If you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows, we got you covered. What we talk about, good. Currently talking about the death of the stuff. I know what we're fucking talking about. Sometimes we get uh, guest spots, like from the Taskmaster. I like to uh, I like to listen to the Year of Duke and Rope podcast. They're uh, funny guys. That uh, I like when they I like when they talk about the the, the Nards plows. I like Nards plows. That's uh, that's a good move. And uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom. You know, sometimes sometimes I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oklahoma. Let me tell you a little bit about my favorite podcast. All right. It's a podcast for two men. Two men. Duke Banks, Kevin Bro. They talk about professional wrestling. It's a man's sport. All right. And who better to talk about a man's sport than two Oklahoma. Once in a while, Vince Russo stops by. Oh, you piece of shit. If you're listening, you're doing the podcast in the back with the boys. You're a piece of shit. I don't know what you're doing. It's, uh, you got a slight one in there. If you're a man, if you're a man, you're talking about something in your man. Bro, take the time to slide one in there. All right, bro, you piece of shit. Slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. 
All right, we're back here on the Mark Order podcast. Before we move on to Dynamite, uh, just want to let you know you guys can find us on all of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, at Mark Order Pod. And uh, on YouTube and any of your podcasting platforms, subscribe, like, rate, review, all those things help us. So uh, thank you in advance uh, for doing those. Yeah, you want to tune in on YouTube so you can see Ryan's forehead. All night. <laughs> mean. More importantly, though, we do have a way that you can support us. And uh, if you go to the link tree in our bio, we do have a link directly to our wonderful pro wrestling tea store where you Woo-hoo! can all of our T-shirts. We've got four shirts up, two front prints, two front and back prints. Uh, so click that link in the link tree to go directly there or head over to pro wrestling slash Mark order pod, or just search the Mark order podcast on pro wrestling tees. And you'll be able to pick up one of those shirts to show your support for us. And as Kate says, we're not going to go into a giant tirade tonight because we've already done a few of those. But if you like supporting women, you will buy a t-shirt. You can support us. I E a woman, women, at ProWrestlingTees.com. Buy our shirts. And if you don't, you hate women. That's it. No tirade. Very true. That's just it. <clears throat> Very true. But if you really want to support women, you buy multiple shirts. There's a direct correlation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that money goes uh, into us uh, putting into the production and all the other stuff that we have to spend some money on. So thank you in advance. And to women's rights, for sure. Uh, so we're going to go through dynamite. And like I said, we spent so long going through all in and all that stuff. We're going to go through this a little abridged tonight. Uh, but we, um, we have our first match, which is, uh, John Moxley versus commander. Now it should be noted too. I'm sorry. Before we jump in should be noted too. There weren't a lot of announced matches for this card. Uh, the only announcements we had like up until five o'clock was the, uh, orange Cassidy Penta, uh, match. Uh, for the international title where their winner will get Moxley at all out. And we knew we were going to hear from Adam Cole. And as Kate said before, uh, Bray's services were, I think, today, right? They were scheduled for today and the hurricane screwed them up, up, I think. But a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people were like getting there and requesting off and stuff. So, yeah, uh, I think what I had seen was that Tony Khan pretty much told people if if you need the time to go to the services, you can absolutely do that. So I think it sort of put them in, in a spot where they maybe weren't sure what they were going to get tonight. And we're also building sort of post all in to all out. So we got John Moxley versus commander to open the show that was announced very late, um, before the show started. Um, and, uh, Moxley does come out with a win, uh, over, uh, commander with a cross arm bar submission. um, and then this is clearly just building up to sort of his match it all out. And also the main event. Um, they did show a video package on our orange Cassidy's, you know, international championship reign. So it all sort of goes in, um, hand in hand thought the match was perfectly fine. Um, you know, didn't think commander had a shot in hell. So this went exactly the way I thought. Would anybody like to add anything here? That's how we're going to, by the way, ladies and gents, that's how we're sort of going to do this tonight, just to get through it. If you want to add something, please feel free. I will stop, and you can add something. He didn't bleed very much tonight in this match, so he knew we'd have a light match for him. Very true. 
he didn't have very much blood left, you know. He got skewered out of him. So, well, if you like collisions of styles, I don't know if there's a bigger collision of styles than these two. Really good match, though. They're always both in control of it in the interest of expediting time. Uh, yeah, I'll just say I thought it was great. Not any particular spots to call out. Uh, I would like to see some of the luchador shuffle get put into actual feuds they're usually just used for these one-offs like maybe add an actual story around some of them would be cool so um we also get uh footage of the young bucks in the locker room at wembley stadium talking about how it was supposed to be their big night but then ftr rolls up to say that they respect them and showed that respect but they denied it what's the deal and they explained they were just disappointed for the way things worked out. They, the Bucks, explained they they were disappointed for the way things, you know, sort of went. And uh, they get up to offer their hands, but the Bang Bang Gang roll up and say that it's a winner's room and the Bucks should get out. And eventually that leads to booking uh, a match at All Out, Bullet Club Gold versus FTR and the Young Bucks. So we know that that is now set for All Out. Should be a fun match. I also popped really hard that they had the Jay White, uh, I'm sorry, um, cardboard Jay White. It was just Jay White, right, Kate? Well, it's a cardboard cutout of Switchblade. Jay White. Nice to see cardboard Jay White making his Dynamite debut. And uh, I enjoyed that they had him bubble wrapped for his safety. You know, he did have to travel internationally. Yes, of course. Got to take good care of him. Uh, we also get a, a recap of Soraya winning the AEW World's Championship, and that's when we get the stunning Renee Paquette interviewing Tony Storm backstage, who is beside herself yet again, slightly disheveled. And she says she's happy for Soraya, but she went off script and forgot her place. And now Tony's left with no friends, no title, no future, because things aren't really well between uh between uh, the outcasts and she gets agitated and says Wembley went tits up and she can't trust anybody. She even blames her shoes and throws her shoes at Renee from off camera. I thought this was awesome. She's hysterical. I love, 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 love this. I have no title. I have no friends. I have no sense of self anymore. Starlet Tony storm is hilarious. When she threw her shoes, I'm, just almost fell off my seat she's she's so funny and for someone who also played like the cool girl wild child of the 80s character extremely well for her to be able to just flip into this almost right after is fucking awesome what a what a delight this this curlered haired tony store version is i love it it's great great stuff out of her and i'm interested to see where this story goes right because ruby's also got her match lined up for all out um, against uh, Chris Statlander for a title. So if she wins a title too, Tony Storm is left out in the cold in the outcasts. That's true. Doesn't look too good. Doesn't look too good. Guys, we move on to Jericho. Jericho uh, was announced uh, as the show went on in the air uh, tonight that he was going to make an appearance. He talks about the spectacle and the majesty that All In was and that um, there was a huge Fozzie show on Friday and then the biggest wrestling show in history on Sunday. Um, and um, his match against Osprey, one of his favorite points, although you know it was a show he'll never forget, although it didn't go the way he wanted. He said there was one thing he wanted to forget, and that was the way he treated Sammy Guevara. 
uh, and he'd like to get it off his chest and invited Sammy down. So Sammy Guevara makes his entrance. And Jericho says he's not happy with how he pushed him after the match. He was frustrated because he lost to Will. And he, he shouldn't have taken it out on Sammy. He didn't know if Sammy really did everything he could do to help, but he did watch back and saw that he hit Osprey in the head with the bat. And he wanted to apologize. They shake hands. And Sammy considers it, uh, or Sammy says that uh, he told uh, he told Chris that he was always going to have his back. And a little push won't break them up. And Jericho says that he feels better. He's just been playing the match over and over again in his head. And he tried to figure out how he could have won. Maybe he should have zigged when he should have zagged. Maybe he should have grabbed some tights uh, when he rolled them up. Maybe Sammy could have hit him in the head harder with the bat. And that really pisses Sammy off. And he says, um, he says, it's funny because he was watching it. You know, when he was watching it, he thought maybe Chris should have hit that Judas effect a little harder. Hmm. And Jericho doesn't want to get insulted or, or Jericho doesn't want him to get insulted or angry. But sometimes when he asks Sammy to do something, it doesn't turn out he, you know, he really envisioned it. And that's when Sammy asked if he envisioned him leaving his pregnant wife to fly to London to help him and not actually wrestle on the show. And um, Sammy says that um, maybe he'd have been, you know, more focused on having uh, been less focused on having Jericho's back if he could have wrestled on the show. But Chris says, you know, if you listen to me, you'll be there next year. And Sammy says he can learn, you know, how to not lose in front of him um, or, or that he can learn how to not lose in front of him. And, and Chris says that maybe next time he'll fight for the world, you know, the world title. He won't lose. That's when Guevara basically says that four years ago, the same thing happened to Jericho. He won the title, but then he lost it at a steakhouse. That was quite fun. Basically, they go back and forth trading jabs, and Jericho says that he doesn't want them to fight. He wants them to have a match to get the sex gods back together and to really get this tag team off the ground running. So next week, they're going to have a match on the road to the titles, and they shake hands and hug. And all seems right in the world of Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Guys, there is a little bit to talk about here if you'd like to add stuff, but I believe clearly this isn't fully resolved, much like a CM Punk situation in the back. This is not all resolved. There is stuff still bubbling underneath. Nothing has changed. And uh, this sex gods thing won't last. I did, though, appreciate how commentary, especially like Shivani, was like, I like this. I think they're a great team. You know, like they were playing into this. I thought it all worked out nicely. Do I want to see Sammy and Jericho together continued forever? No, but I like to see where this is going to go to ultimately split them up because one is going to go way heel and one is going to go way face. Uh, I initially, while this was going on, was like, give me calling drones by their first name. Jericho wearing leather pants and a hot tub Jericho back. But I actually really liked where it ended up going. Um, it felt very grounded in like reality, which was nice. Like that's not usually the way of the Jericho stables, right? But I really, really liked this because they both felt pretty justified. And it they both are kind of straddling the line of heel and face. So it does work of which one of them is going to turn on the other. Helps that Jericho had a great match. Helped that to Ryan's point, Lost by getting out of the Judas effect kind of justified what Sammy said here, which made a lot of sense. Um, I 
feel like they didn't need to drag Tay into this, but it was fine, I guess. Uh, but this was this was actually really well done. I'm also curious to see where Danny Garcia ends up. Like, is he coming back here to be a menace and screw with them? Is he fighting a tag team partner? What happens there? Um, but this this was a really strong segment. I I really enjoyed what they were able to pull together. Open floor. Anybody else? Joe Ryan. I'm surprised about how long they're taking with their storyline of will they, won't they, can they coexist? Um, it's not like they teased you early on the front end, and then you know Jericho has some other things going on with you know the Callis family and Osprey and all the other people going on, and they circle back around to this you know Sammy and Jericho inevitable uh, face off. Um, so it just feels like it's been going on for like this whole like we're waiting for the break to happen had been going on for a long time. Yeah, I um I don't uh I don't disagree with that. So um well we'll see what where this goes and Kate brings up Danny Garcia. We do find out sort of where Danny Garcia is going a little later. We'll touch on it. Um, there is a Blackpool Combat Club promo where Moxley basically talks about what's going to happen at, at the match on Sunday, basically saying that him, Orange Cassidy, and Penta, they're more bite than bark, and while everybody has catchphrases, hashtags, they're not about that. We're going to find out who's got the biggest bite when they leave Chicago on Sunday. We then move into our I next... I feel like it's a bad idea to book a steal right now. The biggest bite... That's all I could think about. Okay, good call. <laughs> Seems oh, bad. He... Seems bad. Yeah, probably not a good idea. <laughs> uh, we move on to our next match of the night. Another another thing that was not announced too far before the show started. Eddie Kingston versus Wheeler Yuta in a New Japan Strong Openweight Championship match. Uh, loved Eddie coming out to the ring, all bandaged up, showing he was banged up from the match. Love to see it. It brings me back to like, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s. Like, it wasn't WWE CW. It was something before that. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. It was some bullshit federation. But those guys used to come out a lot in, in like bandages and stuff, which just brought me back to that. Either way. I don't know um, what you're referring to. I don't know. It wasn't WWE CW. So, I don't so know. So, who cares? Uh, Eddie does win with a back fist to the future to retain his New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. Post match, Claudio comes to the ring, holding his championship or his Ring of Honor, I should say, World Championship to help Yuta up, and he doesn't look once at Eddie, who's barking at him the whole time to fight him. Uh, this, I imagine, is straight up Kate's alley uh, because she's an Eddie Mark. Um, but I do think that. Um, I do think that they maybe draw this story out to the end of the year for Ring of Honor. I don't. I know, Kate, you really want to see it happen at, at uh, Grand Slam. I don't think. I think that something like that they would wait on for the pay-per-view at the end of the year. But I could be wrong. Either way, I thought this match was a lot of fun. And um, love the psychology of Wheeler Yuta uh, targeting, you know, the elbow and other body parts that are clearly injured on Eddie because that's sort of the Blackpool thing to do, right? Um, you know, you got to be smarter than than the average bear. So, um, Kate, if you have anything you'd like to add about Eddie Kingston in the ring, 
This is your time. I love him. Match is really good. Nice to have Eddie Kingston back on my AEW screen. The disrespect of Claudio not even making eye contact with him. Like, what is going to get under Eddie Kingston's skin more than that? Holy shit. That was a super, super fun thing to do. And uh, as an Eddie Mark, I, I got to say, like, Claudio, this version of him is just perfect. Like, to a T. Love, 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 love the condescension from him. Really, really fun stuff, considering how, like, thrown together this dynamite was. Some really good shit on here. Yeah. And again, sort of feels like it was thrown together last minute, but they're also sort of like building to Sunday and they have to build storylines, you know, beyond. So there's a lot going on. It didn't feel like it felt like a pretty good show for stuff that came together way at the last minute. Um, Joe, I'm not sure if it looked like you were going to add something. You tell me if you have something to add. I'm sorry. No, I'm just trying to say I, I like the pace of the match. I thought it told a nice story of his injuries coming out of the pay-per-view and you know work and you know working on those throughout the match and then yeah i think you know maybe you get the the eddie claudio match at grand slam and then maybe you have an eddie mosley at the roh pay-per-view could happen don't hate that speaking of grand slam we're gonna be there um okay your light keeps going on and off yeah, are you you're in like a doing. you in a rave or something? I wish. Even Ryan's going to Grand Slam. Ryan no, is not. Ryan's not. He's Ryan got to get ready for the Tokyo Dome. We do and booked. There's a chance I have an extra ticket, Ryan. I can't. Well, Kate and I will be there. We will be there, Aunt. Joe, I have an extra ticket if you want to fly in. I was going to say, I'm going to laugh if I end up at more shows with you guys than Ryan does. Oh, my God. <laughs> Joe flies yeah. in. I just went to two shows with Kate last weekend, or two weekends ago. In your backyard. It was basically it's backyard true. wrestling at the WWE CW arena. That's right. That's right. Um, you know how, like, Kose Fujita was showing up at all those backyard wrestling shows? That's just, <laughs> it's just Ryan showing up. Oh god. Uh let's see. Backstage it all in. Adam Cole and MJF uh meet up. They show video of that. Thank you, Kate. Um and MJF is full of complaints, basically saying that Cole hit him too hard and he almost broke his neck. And uh um there are uh there are uh you know there's gonna be a tournament um dedicated to finding a world championship, but there's also going to be a battle royal to uh, find out who's going to face them for their uh, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. And uh, MJF basically says he's going to take a week off. He's going to go to Paris, eat a baguette, bang a bunch of rats, and then, you know, uh, hit a double clothesline or a double cliz liz and take care (laughs) of business. So uh, basically... Uh, we did find out, uh, that there's going to be a, uh, there are going to be a couple of things going on here. There's going to be a battle Royal on rampage to determine who the tag team is. that's going to face MJF and Adam Cole, uh, better than you, baby, uh, on Sunday at all out. So we're going to get that match on Sunday at all out. Whoever the winners are versus 
better than you, baby, for the Ring of Honor uh, world titles. There is also going to be a world title eliminator tournament to determine MJF's next challenger at Grand Slam. So they're going to start that road, uh, and then the title will the title match will take place at Grand Slam. So Kate, at least we have that to look forward to. And, and I can't hear you. Find a different way to tell a story challenge. Okay. It made me pass out. I'm so burnt out on like thrown together a tournament. That, and I love a good tournament. You know, you know, I love a good tournament. Everyone here knows yeah. I love a good tournament. Mm-hmm. Love a good tournament. So many stories. Come on. This is like the fourth tournament in like five minutes. Listen, I'm with you 100%. I am just happy that we're going to get a world title match at Grand Slam. Well, duh. But, like, the tag ones especially? This I don't is care. what we do now. I don't care about the tag shit. I, I, that I don't care about. Like, they do they this the all. best tag division in the world. Find a different way to tell a story, you lazy punks. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. You shouldn't. I'm right. So uh, after the break, we have getting interviewed backstage by the ravishing Renee Paquette. Uh, And before he can say much, Don Callis decides to roll up to recruit him, but he's not having it and basically shoes him off. So not much going on there. I did enjoy, though, how Don Callis said, I just heard uh, you're pregnant. Congratulations. And Tay's like, what, like six months pregnant at this point? (laughs) It was just very funny. Um, but interesting wrinkle in the Don Callis family story trying to recruit Sammy Guevara. Don't necessarily hate that. Sammy should be the one to go with him. Yes. He'd be perfect. I'm in on that idea. Sammy could use it to become a harder edged heel and to sort of like be shown like, look, you can do it. Like, we're just here to support you. Like, we trust you. Do your thing. You know what I mean? Where Jericho always felt like a more controlling mentor. Like, do what I tell you. Like, I know it's right. Just do what I tell you. Like, if they play this right, it could work out. Okay. Um, Adam Cole then makes his entrance. This was the other announced thing we knew was going to happen uh, tonight. Adam Cole made his entrance to get on the mic. Mike to talk about all in and he says he lost the main event and that hurt really bad but one day he'll get another shot at the title right now he's just worried about Max's neck of course he said the the word neck and that's what brings out Roddy Strong and his neck brace along with the kingdom now I'll say this uh, for the general population here uh, Mrs. Money says she needs Matt Taven to wear his white gloves all the time because she can't recognize who he is without the white gloves. That's because he's really boring. <laughs> I also enjoy Mike Bennett in the suit. Looking sharp, Mike Bennett. So well, crazy about a sharp dressed man. That's very true. And he's got legs. He knows how to use them. Um, so Roddy's upset because Adam cares more about MJF's neck health than his. And uh, Bennett basically starts to unload and says that uh, he used to be really tight uh, with with Adam Cole and their match in Ring of Honor got them signed. Um, and they went up and down the roads together, parked, uh, you know, or uh, picked up each other in their worst moments. And 
And um, Adam Cole was even uh, at uh, Mike Bennett's wedding, playing the bachelor party. But now he basically f- has forgotten what that means. And Matt Taven uh, starts to go and, and basically say, you know, Cole used them and then jump ship to the Bullet Club so he can uh, sell more merch. And then he jumped to Florida and surrounded himself with their friends. And now he wants to come back and say he's a changed man. Well, he's a liar and a leech. And now he's latched on to that corny Melvin MJF because he thinks he's a getaway uh, or a gateway, excuse me, into that title. Um, And he asks Adam if he sees other people when he looks at, at old pictures because he's the only person he's ever cared about. I love that, by the way. I thought that was hilarious. I don't know why. Um, and basically tells them that, uh, tells them they know for a fact that that's not true. And honest to God, if he made them feel that way, Adam Cole, that is that he's sorry. And he knows they were close at one point. And what he's learned is that you need to be understanding of each other's friendship. And Roddy says that he just can't accept that. And he's going to enter that grand slam tournament and do what Cole couldn't. And that's beat MJF in the middle of the ring to become the new world champion with his real friends, Mike and Matt, by his side. And if Cole's his real friend, he'll root for him too. But Adam says that, Adam's worried now. He says that uh, Roddy's in no condition to wrestle because of his neck. And uh, Roddy basically mocks his condition, saying that um, he doesn't need a roll-up or a diamond ring, and a bad neck will not stop him because he's going to break everybody's back to win the tournament because he is a wrestling legend. So I do love this Roddy story. Part of me also in the back of my brain is like, where's Kyle O'Reilly? It's been radio silent on Kyle O'Reilly. Would be kind of amazing if Kyle O'Reilly, and I don't think he's in any shape, but it would be amazing if Kyle O'Reilly does show up somewhere to help Bobby sort of get over you know, the hump to get to the main event. And basically Adam Cole's in a position where it's like, do I help Roddy? Do I help MJF? Like something like that. I'm fantasy booking here, but I like where this whole story is going. And the neck health line got me to laugh. So fucking <laughs> um, Does anybody want to, to add anything here? Uh, Melvin is a like top tier insult. Other than that, I just, Matt Taven just ain't for me, man. Wearing purple is not a character. And his promo I just thought was that good today. Like, he basically was like, how dare you succeed in your career, even though I also succeeded in my career and we ended up on the same show. Um, Roddy, scorned lover, broken necked Roddy. All day, though. And Mike Bennett, I thought, did really well, too. Part of my complaint with Taven's promo, was I was just like, yeah, you just said everything Bennett just said kind of worse. So um, anyway, I just met Taven for me. <laughs> I wish they would have added in their video package. I know they had a video package initially with talking about Adam's relationship with the kingdom before, but I wish they would have had a little bit more um, video package to go along with the promo tonight of like, you know, look at our scrapbook of memories together from... No, back when we were in weddings together and we had this great match together and we got contracts. Like I think they could have helped tell the story a little bit more with the visuals and it would have helped maybe not let Taven talk as much for you, Kate. It's not great. 
I don't ever need to hear Matt Taven talk. <laughs> um, he can just wrestle. I think he's he's a good wrestler, but just he doesn't need to talk. Just have somebody else talk for him. It would be way better. But he's Matt Taven. <laughs> uh, we get a Penta promo. Uh, just building to the main event. Nothing much there. Uh, and then we get our women's match of the night. Britt Baker. D-M-D. Uh, he, Karu Shida and Chris Statlander. She's more than a woman. Uh, more than a woman to me. Uh, versus Emi Sakura, Marina Shafir, and Nyla Rose. I'd like to call that team the Island of Misfit Toys. Um, basically, uh, Britt Baker, Sheeta, and Statlander win by pinfall with the lateral press from Statlander on Marina Shafir. Post-match, Ruby Soho lays out Chris Statlander uh, with the um, Destination Unknown, steals the championship from her, basically lays it out on the on the ramp after she holds it up like this is mine. Uh, more maybe storyline important is the fact that during the match, Sheeta is holding somebody, Nyla Rose or somebody, and Britt goes to super kick them and they duck and she connects with Sheeta. So um, before the match, they were sort of uneasy with each other. This probably doesn't help. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do here with Sheeta and Britt Baker, essentially. I guess they're going to enter a program. Uh, but clearly, this is just building to Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho on Sunday. Didn't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, match was what it was. I don't know if anybody... Kate, would you like to add anything about the storylines going on here? Yeah, the chicken tenders were just great. Um, but it wasn't like a 9.08 slot, which is good. Still like eight minutes long or whatever. Uh, good to see Emmy on screen. Clearly, they're listening a little bit since that was a big complaint for people. But yeah, it was fine. I would say Marina Shafir... You're leaving money on the table by throwing your socks into the crowd. Weird wrestling fans will pay you for those things. So don't just throw your socks in the crowd, man. It was also weird because I saw her throw something. I didn't know what it was. And I guess she threw them at a little girl. And maybe the little girl was not looking. And everybody looked very confused. Or like, why would you do that? And I was just like, did something not? Like, I sort of didn't see it. And I was like, did, did she, like, violate like one of those protocols where it's like, we're not grabbing things and th or throwing things at people. Throwing but I really, think she, I really think she was just trying to do something cool and like give somebody her socks, I guess. But yeah, that was weird. Um. Anyway, if there's nothing else to be said, we'll move on. One of maybe my favorite segments of the night, and we've talked about things like this when Taz used to do his breakdown of like moves and stuff like this. I enjoyed the hell out of Don Callis watching videotape and basically doing a PowerPoint presentation with uh, Takeshita, basically telling him what he wants to see out of his match or what he wants to see him focus on during his match with Kenny Omega on Sunday. Things like, you know, his neck and which moves will injure his neck or his back or where his hernia was surgically repaired. And then he says that basically if none of that works, he's got a backup and he shows the videotape of him uh, stabbing uh, Kenny Omega in the forehead with the screwdriver 
And that really gets Takeshita going. And uh, then we go to break. I just thought this was so much fun, basically showing the x-rays, then showing the videotape and multiple angles of the moves to do. I just thought it was a lot of fun. And Don Callis is great. And Takeshita is a goddamn star. So I don't know if anybody else wants to add anything, but I liked it. Just more that of there this, was, yeah, more way, way more of this, and it's just like insane because Kenny'd been through so many surgeries. He was like, "You could go after these vertebrae, or his abdominal cavity, or any like." <laughs> Kenny had so many things that he went through. I was like, "You can target his whole body at the end of this," but um, God bless. Just gonna Takesh is just gonna eat Cinnabon and target. Kenny's vertebrae. God bless him. And it all makes real world sense, right? Because because um, Don Callis would know about all this, right? Like he was aligned with Kenny during that time, and he was like family to Kenny, right? So it would make sense that he knows everything that happened and can basically tell Takeshita how to you know neutralize him. So that's why I thought this was all so great because it sort of all made logical sense as well. So. More of that, as Ryan said. He's a man of few words, but those were good ones. Thank you, Ryan. Important words. Important words. Very important. I'm glad they weren't a song or a pun. Just... There's still you, time. Don't worry. You could be so lucky. We do get uh, what was late announced, a uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony from the acclaimed. Billy Gunn basically says that uh, Sunday was a good day, and they became trio's champions. Caster cuts his own promo about uh, All In and says that he thought it was fitting to come back here to Chicago where they were lifted up to the next level and they promised they'll lift the titles up with pride. And there's one way that they wanted to start off the reign and that's with a ribbon-cutting ceremony. And Caster pulls out his pair of normal scissors and Billy says, that's a small one. Let me use my big one. And he pulls out the big scissors. Get it? It's a dick joke. Ah. So, um, so they cut it and then basically Bowens, uh, welcomes everybody to the house of ass, which goes over like a million bucks. They'd better make a goddamn shirt because it will sell like hotcakes. They sell, they sold how many shirts that said scissor me daddy. They can sell a ton of shirts that say house of ass. Oh yeah. And they said, he said that in this house, they were pink, which is why they have replacements for the old trios titles that are quite dull so they pull the cloths off what's on the table to reveal new trios titles on pink leather and as they turn the belts around the ends of them are scissors so even their belts can scissor and they scissor me daddy ass and now they're off with their trios titles i will say this I would 100% for a reasonable price get a replica scissor scissor trio title. I think they looked fantastic. They're fun, but I still don't understand what we're goddamn doing with these things. They did look they looked like the old IC title belts with pink straps, which is hysterical to me. Yeah. Um I just wish I had more of an interest in seeing them have trios matches. Because they're all kind of the same. It's like Bowen shows out. We get a mic drop from Caster. We get the famous search from Billy. Um, I, I just. 
there's one really good wrestler in there. So we'll we'll see where it builds. Doesn't need to be a long reign, but I just ceremony was fine. I just don't have like an interest in this. No, I mean they could have done this in a pre-tape package, just showing off their belts. But I will say, and, if you're gonna if you're gonna lean into this House of Ass thing, and you're, you're this new run of trio champion, uh, new run of a, a trio champions, I want them to develop a finisher with all three of them and call it the HOA. Oh, they're, they're a house, you know, like it only makes sure. sense, right? Pay your dues, pay your dues. Well played, Joe. Well played. Very like well played. Uh, we do get a promo from Aussie Open. They're going to get their titles back. They're going to win the Royale. Great. And now we're on to our main event. It is uh, Orange Cassidy. I was going to say Aussie Open. See, I still had the Aussies on my brain. <clears throat> Orange Cassidy. Are we doing hand symbols again? Let's try it again. Ready? Aussie Open. So close, Ryan. You're in the you're you're Not in the here. city, but you're not in the city. Yeah, city. Nope. No. It's, just, it's not interlocking. It's just like a little outline. I don't even know if he's in the the <laughs> area code, let alone the <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Uh. Yeah. What was what were they called? Fuck. Yeah, the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> Um, anyway, main event, Orange Cassidy versus Penta for the international championship. And my goodness, um, I mean, I thought this was going to be a good match. I thought this was a phenomenal match. Penta did some shit that looked so violent. Like even for Penta, like Penta was fighting with some edge tonight. Um, thought that was great. Orange Cassidy wasn't laying down for anything. One of my favorite things is when he stopped Penta and then started doing the slow slap thing and commentary. I think Excalibur was like, Oh, he's slowing it down, slowing it down to his level. Like I just loved how now it's like, Oh, this makes sense. He's slowing things down. And then somebody else even said like, Oh, this is psychological. You know what I mean? Like I just love that. Those little things. But Orange Cassidy, um, Orange Cassidy gets hit with a fear factor, kicks out, or I'm sorry, grabs the ropes, and that uh, fear factor was on the apron. So Penta goes for another fear factor in the middle of the ring. Orange does kick out, and Penta is sort of stunned, which gives Orange Cassidy the opportunity to hit a flash pin to retain the international championship. Penta still uh, a little upset at this post-match. Him and Abrahantes can't believe it. Eventually, they do leave. No fisticuffs between the two. The shocking thing is that post-match, Orange Cassidy grabs a chair, asks for a mic, sits down, and actually talks in an AEW ring by himself. And he says he doesn't usually like to talk, but here we are. He's so tired, his body hurts, and every time he comes for a title defense, that backpack gets a little bit heavier, but he's here, he's wrestling, he's defended that international championship because it means everything to him, and that's what AEW is. He was told he was never going to amount to anything because he's too skinny, he's too short, he's too different, but 
there he is, a champion, and he's going to keep defending that title as long as he wants, and nobody's going to take it from him. So Mox better bring more than a fork because he's freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, and he does not have a catchphrase. So that brings out Moxley. Um, they go forehead to forehead. Mox shoves him. Orange Cassidy paintbrushes him. Immediately shakes his hand because now he's in pain because he hits him. And that is the show. So we are building clearly to this match Sunday, which I think is going to be our main event. Um, But I just think that this was a great moment for Orange Cassidy. One, he retains. I think that's what we all thought was going to happen, right? He's going to get to the pay-per-view. But I love the fact that he sat down and talked because we don't ever see that from Orange Cassidy. And he did it well. I thought he really delivered well. He was like in character but not in character and he was sort of talking some truth so um he's he's the goat he's the greatest of all time you guys will all all realize that someday well mm, let's not forget about marco stunt okay very good point he's maybe second goat um but um but i really liked all this i thought the match was fucking awesome and i thought the post match was was really good build and again, from a guy that I think we thought would never basically build, you know, build a match on a mic, I thought it was fantastic. So floor is open if anybody would like to add some closing comments on this match or any other, anything else on the show. Uh, match was great. Very violent, like you said, which I loved. It does feel like they're really protecting Orange Cassidy to take a loss on Sunday which I don't hate, especially with John Moxley working other places. Like he likes to work the Indies. He likes to work Japan. It can kind of be that ambassadorial title. Uh, but I also feel like Orange Cassidy is already made by this rain. But if you want to make him, make him. Him beating John Moxley in the main event as a beat up, violent guy who is just running on OJ and Hart. Like, holy shit, that guy would be cemented. Um, it could be really, really fun. And I actually think they might do that because they probably knew MJF's not defending his title. So, like, how do we make something feel really big and important would be to heat up the international title for this. So that it might be Moxley doing this to to do exactly that, to, to cement Orange Cassidy's reign here. But I loved the match. My God, like this, this was so much fun. And Penta made Orange Cassidy look great and he doesn't need the help. But he just, he was laying in so hard and was so uh, controlled but frustrated by the fact that Orange Cassidy would not stay down. Like just really, really good shit. And I loved the promo after. Um, I loved the, the button he put on it of, I don't have a, I'm freshly squeezed. I don't have a catchphrase is like such a fantastic, fantastic thing. Um, he's great. Orange Cassidy, such a fantastic performer. And it was just a nice reminder of like, he chooses to do this thing because he's great at it and it works and it's fun. Uh, but he's a real deal wrestler and he has skills beyond what get revealed every week. So good shit. Really good shit. And again, it's, it's true. I mean, he's, I mean, we've all sort of seen like uh, some of the stuff like people saying, I, I don't like it. I don't get it. He's weird. He's bought. Dude, the guy can fucking wrestle. I mean, my God. Uh, and this. Title, he, well, second goat. 
Um, but uh, man, like this has just been a hell of a run, and he continues to come out taped up. Like it just adds more importance to what he's doing. Joe, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I like the fact that I think I don't know if it was on Rampage or Collision where he cut. They had a little backstage promo of with him talking to Moxley and talking about how he's not the same Orange Cassidy from four or five years ago, whenever he came here, and the evolution of that character to where it's at today, I think is what we've all kind of like fancy booked in our heads about where he could go with the character. Um, from going from the, the slow sloth like style to like really showing personality and really move uh, turning it on in his matches he's had during his reign. Uh, I've really enjoyed that part and the mat like talking about the match with Penta, um, I thought the the spot where he does a tope and Penta catches him into a military press was like really impressive and then um the only thing I, I had questioned about the match was one spot of like the back and forth destroyers of like they did like two or three in a row to each other. I thought that's a little bit. Yeah, those are nuts. Those I'm like, I nuts. Get it, it looks cool, but like if I'm taking one of them, I'm not popping back up and doing another one. And like it just, it's not believable to me, but that's my only complaint. But otherwise, yeah, the promo was great. Um, speaking, uh, Again, involving his character and, and speaking out more. Uh, Shlong, you want to put a point on anything? I just don't want to leave you out. I know you said Orange Cassidy is the GOAT, but... Uh... Yeah, I think we just can't stress that enough. You see matches. He has put on great match after great match after great match. And every time he puts on a great match, people are surprised. And it just keeps happening. At some point, you got to admit, he's just that good. Ryan is personally attacking the Shining Wizards, and I love it. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. And I love it. I love it. I do love it. So, guys. They're the B show, right? So, Oh, well, you know it. You're here on the A show. So. The young boy already knows. You, you know, love it. Called right up. <laughs> uh, so, um, that was Dynamite. So, we're clearly building to All Out on Sunday. Um, so here's what we know. Um, here's what we know the card looks like, uh, right now. So as Kate said, uh, it was announced after dynamite went off the air, uh, that we're going to get Eddie Kingston and Shibata versus Claudio and Wheeler Utah. We're also going to have MJF and Adam Cole defending their ring of honor world tag team title belts, uh, against the battle Royal winner. That's going to take place on Friday rampage uh samoa joe uh it was announced during the show is going to defend his ring of honor world tv title against shane taylor now this was something i said i wanted to hold because my hope here is that we take the belt off of joe and give it to shane taylor and maybe we start to see what we were hoping for is that some of these guys who are sort of ring of honor you know lifers or guys you would equate with ring of honor before anything else start to take these titles. I, I would not hate Shane Taylor holding this title. He's held it before. He's a ring. Like when you think Shane Taylor, you think ring of honor. I get it. Part of the lineage, but this deserves to go to Shane Taylor in my opinion. So maybe that's what we'll see with the tag titles. Maybe not Sunday, but eventually 
they'll come off them and go to somebody who's a real Ring of Honor team. Hondo P. We're also going to get FTR and the Young Bucks versus Bullet Club Gold. Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs, which we had known about. That should slap. We'll have Kenny Omega versus Takeshita. Chris Statlander will be defending her TBS championship versus Ruby Soho. Orange Cassidy, we know now, will be defending his international title versus John Moxley in what is probably going to be the main event. And we're going to have Luchasaurus, the true TNT champion, versus Darby Allen. So we'll see what happens there. My guess is Christian is involved in some way. That is the all-out card right now. Not sure if they can add much else to it, but my question to you guys is, is this worth your pay-per-view buy? Uh, I get to reimburse it because I'm reviewing it, so yes. Under any other circumstance, I would say no. They should have made this a bundled deal with All In and done it for 75 bucks for the two of them. I think it's a mistake, and if they continue down this path, it's not going to go well because they are announcing more pay-per-views like Wrestle Dream, and uh, they're going to need to find a different model if they're not going to get on Max sooner than later. I agree with Kate. And it was it was stated, too, actually, in the, um, in the media scrum. Somebody asked about running these shows sort of back-to-back <clears throat> because they've already announced next year's all in Tony Khan mentioned that the site. Well, the reasoning behind that is the fact that, and I didn't know this, this past weekend was a, it was a bank holiday weekend in the UK. So he wanted to do it in the UK over that holiday weekend. And he does all out over our holiday weekend here in the U S for labor day. And he doesn't want to give up that real estate. Like he owns it. He doesn't want to give that up. I get that. I don't know if they can't figure out a better way to work this moving forward. It's not going to work. You're going to stretch yourself way too thin. But I understand the thinking. It sort of makes sense when you put it like that, right? It's a couple holiday weekends. Like I own Labor Day now. Like he does. Nobody else is doing a Labor Day pay-per-view. So like I get it but they're way, way close together. This has to be well, well thought out next year before I'm ready to say this makes sense in perpetuity. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. Tony Khan's full of shit. <laughs> on, does, this, on this. It, it does make sense, though, when you look at who else is running a pay-per-view over Labor Day weekend. They're the only ones. Why oh, sure. And I mean... I, if, if NXT had a great card, this would look really dumb. You know what I mean? Like it's that's not a good enough justification to offset it. But, um, but yeah, go for Tony. Make your bag, but get on a subscription service because. Oh, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, <clears throat> or bundle it. Do one or the other. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, so just closing out a few things. They did confirm dates and locations for full gear. Um, so, um, uh, they're going to be doing full gear. Uh, sorry, I just had the date and it's now gone. Full gear is going to take place November 18th in Los Angeles at the Kia forum. So put that on your calendar, November 18th. 
But Tony also in the media scrum announced that they're adding uh, a pay-per-view. He said, I can announce for the first time October 1st at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. It will be the first ever Wrestle Dream, um, which will be a one-year anniversary of the passing of wrestling's greatest dreamer. Uh, that's Inoki. Um, he thought it would be a fitting, uh, and after All Out, uh, you won't have to wait for full gear in November. So they're adding a pay-per-view. That was something also that had been rumored that they wanted to see more sort of premium events, uh, Warner Brothers. So it sort of makes sense. Um, <clears throat> he was also asked if New Japan was going to be involved uh, in that show, and he said he was hopeful. He's talked to them about it. I think they're, they want to participate in the show and send some people, and they're very supportive, and I want to do something for him, Anoki. Um, so that's what he said. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but now we have Wrestle Dream to build to after all out. So who knows? I don't like the name. It's a that's an Anoki thing though, right? Um I, yeah, but I still don't like it. Yeah, it's not great. If they do ZSJ and Danielson in Seattle, I'm gonna just forfeit my bank account. Oh man. Well, it's like the perfect thing, right? To do it in Seattle on an Anoki tribute show. Can he be uh, cleared to wrestle is the thing. By then, I would hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Goodness. Um, and then just a couple late breaking sort of rumor mill things that have been hitting. Um, so there were also reports that Miro and Punk got into it backstage. There's conflicting reports. Fightful says that um, uh, they were joking around. It was misinterpreted by wrestlers who heard the story, um, but F4W Online and Brian Alvarez are maintain, maintaining that it's a true story and there was a serious issue between Punk and Miro. So take your sides in that report, whatever you want to believe. Um, the belief is also from Fightful that uh, Punk versus Ricky Starks for the Real World Championship was at one point likely the main event for Sunday's All Out pay-per-view, but it is now uncertain given Punk's uh, reported suspension following the altercation with Jack Perry at All In. Um, so I don't know. We'll see, but I don't think that's happening. Uh, PW Insider is also claiming that the belief among those in AEW is that Punk was fined for taking shots at Hangman Page for the August 12th episode of Collision. Um, uh, after the uh, August 12th episode of Collision went off the air, and it may have even been in the five-figure range. Whoa. hey PW Torch in further punk news is saying that uh, Punk wasn't the only wrestler underwhelmed with the travel accommodations in London for All In. Multiple wrestlers were not picked up at the airport, which is something that the WWE and New Japan handle well when it comes to international tours. Um, <clears throat> so for those who didn't hear is Punk didn't have uh, a way to get to his hotel. The phone number he was given for a car didn't work. He had to take the tube and got lost, and fans had to actually help him find his hotel. That also probably made the bear a little grumpy when he got to the stadium on Sunday. And finally, um, there are some rumors about COVID and AEW, which might be related to Tony Khan's announcement before Dynamite went on the air about changes to the card. So rumors are there are some people who may have COVID, and that is why there were a lot of people who were sick 
for All In. So we'll have to wait and see. It is going around, people. Uh, so stay protected. Wash your hands. If you're not feeling well, take a test. Get a booster. Do what you got to do. But COVID is definitely still here. So just be safe. And that is it, friends. That's all we got. Unless anything else has any but anything they want to say. Uh, I just got in a fight with CM Punk. Oh, Kate. Yeah, sorry. You too? Not great. Breaking news. Kate got in a fight. I was just playing that Walking on Broken Glass song, and here we are. Oh, how could you? My God. Now we can go home. This is a cult of personality. Let's do it. Kate, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Kate Fabe. You can catch me on Fightful and Fightful Select Monday on Select Tuesday, Thursday and Friday on the main channel, and twice this weekend because we have back-to-back pay-per-view Saturday and Sunday. Very glad I get to sleep in on Monday and it is a day off. Uh, I might be at Excite this weekend. I'll let you guys know, but I don't know if I'm booked, so there you go. Boom. A lot of stuff. Follow Kate and she'll tell you where she's at. Um, Ryan, plug yourself. What do you got going on? Uh, you can find me uh, on our Twitter at Mark Order Pod. That's mostly where I am. Just interact with me, be a good person. And then you can follow my history blog, which is not rewriting history. It's called hereforhistory.com. It's, yeah, that's right. It's not rewriting, it's whitewashing. There it Same is. Same thing. <laughs> And Joe, how about you? Plug uh, what you got going on. Just find me on the uh, social medias at underscore Asian Joe. And apparently I'll be on here now every Wednesday. Woohoo! Joe's going to be he here on Wednesdays. He did get graphics. We're stealing that. We're going to use that for other things as we find uh, acceptable. And also stay tuned to everybody else out there. We got some things we've been talking about. So. Now with Joe on the team, maybe some of those things uh, we can put in uh, to work. Hell yeah! Or into into practice. Jeez, I'm losing it. Anyway, find us at Mark Order Pod on all socials. I don't have anything to plug. Plug. Uh, find us on all of our socials at Mark Order Pod: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, or not Twitch. Uh, what is it? Fucking when all the kids are watching the short TikTok? video TikTok. <laughs> God damn. Um. And thanks to everybody who watched along live tonight in the chat. The Jesse Ozogs, Pedro, uh, Sean Ireland, Pro Wrestling Podcast, 1LT Photo, uh, Slonomite was hanging out before, Gordon Post, um, Pieces, which is with a one. Thank you, everybody, for chatting along. Leron Ford, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we enjoy seeing you guys chat along. Um, uh, and thank you to everybody who's listening in podcast form. We appreciate you guys too. Uh, if anybody could take the time to give us a subscribe, like, rate, review on YouTube and any of our podcast platforms that you find us on, uh, it is greatly appreciated. You think it doesn't help, but it really does. Um, you, it really does help us show up in the algorithms and and do some other stuff. We're pushing YouTube. We have to get to 500 subscribers. We are thinking of things we could do as maybe a giveaway for 500. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Other than that, we will be back next week to talk about all out, probably not in as much length as all in because um, 
Let's be honest. <laughs> There's not going to be any drama backstage. All the troublemakers have been removed. So a lot of fun here with the fearsome foursome that is now the Mark Order podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody. A lot of fun. We will talk to you next week here on the Mark Order podcast. <laughs> This concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.